0: Love, talk Radio
1: This is MMA Fight Music producer Mikey Ruckus and you are listening to another edition of k Side Submission with Steve Reichel and Rachel Blaze Call to all, you know it's like a Rockets and I'm busting through the door Breaking through the ceiling and I'm opening up the floor Make you split your head when you bang Against the wall, blazing full fury From a sight unseen, flipping on The podcast, intro time three Throwing up a chunk for a beating frenzy It's a talking fest of waters as it's Ever easy, time that lay that smack Down, lay it on your back down, focus On that moment when you're bashing this around Town, competition tries to stay up For the last round, but we stole a finish And we soaked up the live crowd, Turn it up loud And they get all proud. Anyone who brought up, there, yeah, we pick them all up in the ground? Down low, cause it's hanging all up in the cloud. Can't try submissions, gonna hit you like clown. Like clown. So listen for the next two hours, two hours. It's it's MMA, it's MMA. power. The you, in this inside of the game and I just solved your problem. Ain't time submissions the what you all been missing, all the latest news and interviews, come and give a listen, Steven breaks her high and low to give you something different, get up on the fence and changing up your disposition. UFC and fellas yes, to against the picture fight, you're not in the conversation, get your game tight, just make sure when the line is green, you don't get paid right, every Thursday night from 8 to 10, prepare up on your flight, what you call the sub, oh. we'll be knocking you down, down. It's a round to pound, with the thought on the head With the kick in the crowd, when the calls are inbound And your voice is profound, and we gain to a sound And grow rich now Go, go, Steven Rachel Go, go, Steven Rachel Go, go, Steven Rachel, go, go Steven, Rachel. Welcome to K-Pass Submission
2: Welcome back, fight fans! You are listening to another episode of Cage Side Submissions. I'm your host, as always, Steve. Being joined by the lovely Miss Nicole Bosco. Nicole, how are we doing this evening?
3: I'm doing good, very good, actually.
2: Yeah, we, you know, got got a lot of stuff going on, but you know, we 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 got to jump oh, yeah. right into this. Uh, we we got to jump right into this because you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> We just got some breaking news across the wire here. John Jones will be eligible to return. Got a 15 month suspension for it. Obviously, it's retroactive, and he will be eligible to fight late October. Thoughts? I knew it. That's
3: what I thought. I called it. I called it, man. So, I knew it.
2: There's some wording here that 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 is that is concerning to me. I, I, um, <laughs> um, basically, U.S. US USADA granted a 30-month reduction due to substantial assistance. Did this mofo just dime somebody out, or is that or is that, is that how they caught for doom? What was that? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear
3: you. My a like making some kind of of thirty
2: a, a thirty month reduction due to substantial assistance. Did And thinking uh, about what has happened over the, over the over the last two to three weeks, did this mofo die now? I can't hear you, Steve. <laughs> you can't. Ah. I,
3: I can't hear you. You're breaking. Are you having your now? phone, or if it's my connection, or something? But I, I you keep breaking up. Can you hear me now? Yes. And uh, now I don't hear anything.
2: Can you hear me now? Yeah. Is it better now, or or is it still choppy? What's up?
3: Um. So far, I can hear you.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> So i are not to
3: start talking, and again, I'll
0: let you know.
2: <laughs> thirty-month reduction due to substantial assistance. Purdue just got 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 oh, a uh, expense. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and the thing is, my my service is full.
3: How's it all messed up? Um maybe it's on my side. I don't know when I started my Skype up it was weird. I mean, I could hang up and try again.
2: Oh man, this is going to be fun. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, man. All right, but let's try to uh <laughs> let's try to make it through this. Um What do you, I mean, uh we we've been debating on what was going to happen with this. Seems a, a a long amount of time for this to go down. Then you hear this whole substantial assistance thing gets 30 months knocked off his his potential suspension.
3: Mhm. I mean, they they said it was he had no intention. So that's the reason they're giving, I guess, is that he didn't mean to cheat. But it's like his second time, second offense. Everybody thought he was going to be like up to the four years, but magically he just is able to get, you know, basically all time served, basically, you know, until the end of October they're saying. So he he could return in New York, him. <laughs> I've been saying for months, or you know, at the end of the year card too. So. You know, it's like, ooh, what a coincidence, you know, you know, know like,
4: you know how fight, things work on. out perfectly.
3: We, we, oh, yeah. People it's think they maybe to gust this in, but I don't know. I mean, that would that be a headliner? Or yeah, but that,
2: that's in the room. Would right? like that, That's in terms of an
3: God. I know I thought you were saying something. Um. Unless, unless for some reason like Daniel Cormier gives up his light light heavyweight title or something, and then they make it for like him against Scopus scup- scup- him scup- for the title, or like maybe like an interim title, I don't know. That would be like the only way that I think that could headline any one of these cards.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we definitely uh, we definitely know he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be put in there ASAP. So we'll see how it winds up playing out. But yeah. Um,
3: well, gonna I don't think like we'll be finding out tomorrow because they have a big press conference in the city and they're probably going to be announcing what's going to be going on with him there, I'm, I'm sure.
2: And obviously you can catch Nicole there if you're going to be there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there, cover my stuff on the fan side and I'll be live tweeting it and everything else. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a hoot.
2: <laughs> so hopefully... Uh... And 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 here's another one. Over or under that uh that uh Conor tries to touch Khabib in some way.
3: You think he does?
2: I think he does. I say I say it's over. He will.
3: He probably will, but I don't know if it'll become anything. Like they got to ha- they got to do something <laughs> dramatic. So It's not like it's gonna like (laughs) he's gonna do something to Khabib and they're gonna brawl each other and then like the fight's gonna be off or something like that. It's not gonna be like that. I'm sure that they're gonna have some kind of drama.
2: I think he's gonna take the belt again. I guarantee you that. (laughs) You remember when he did it to um, Aldo? Remember that?
3: Oh, Steve, I can't hear a word you're saying.
2: Hey, hey, my sir. Uh, Let's see if I can figure something out
3: here. I don't know for sure if it's on your side because when I when we started the show, the even the introduction was very choppy. So maybe it's just my end. Maybe I should hang up and start over again. (laughs)
0: I'm serious.
2: (laughs) That's what you want to do, Nikki. Give give it a shout out.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna do it real quick. All right, I'll be
2: right back. All right, <laughs> All right everyone. As uh, as uh, N- Nikki's gonna wind up uh, coming back on here in, in a second. Hopefully, we can uh, clear up those uh, those audio issues. Hopefully, it's it's just uh, it's just on her end. Hopefully, we'll see you in a minute as we. Um as we get it back on here. All right. Talk. Hello. <laughs> Talk, Hello, hello. All right,
3: cool. I'm back. Yep. T-testing, All right. So hopefully that was it. <laughs> I don't know if there's
2: something on my end. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so far so good. All right. So, but n- not only that, you know, we had we also had a lot of other stuff going going on in MMA this weekend. We had, um, you know, uh, L- LFA, uh, and then the the very next day, you had MMA pro leagues event. Um, you know. You know, your larger media sites were, were just running after a freaking boxing event for whatever freaking reason that was. Irritated the ever-living hell out of me when you have mm. LFA and, you know, and, and MMA Pro League. I mean, hell, dude, freaking um, MMA Junkie gave freaking uh, bare-knuckle boxing more love than they gave either one of the, the these uh, uh, LFA or the MMA Pro League events. And Bare Knuckle a fight isn't for, I think, until October. So, what are we talking about here?
0: <laughs> mhm. hmm.
2: Uh, what are you going to do?
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a boxing fan to begin with, so.
4: I, didn't I mean, know. I, I was, I, I, I I was at the MMA Pro event and it was.
3: Pro- it was pro- you know, I just kept seeing all the tweets. Like, I'm sure whatever I was tweeting about MMA Pro League was just getting buried by all the, like, boxing tweets, so.
2: Yeah, you got to hope it bleeds over more often than not, right? Yeah. Are we back? Are you back to losing me again?
3: <laughs> yeah, you're still breaking up. I don't know.
2: Got to love technology. But uh, what were your thoughts on oh, on uh, you know <laughs> M&A first thing. You were there.
3: Um, I was I was impressed by it. Yeah, I mean it was a really good turnout. When I first got there, I was very surprised to see that many people there. Um, the the event was run really pretty smoothly. Um, I think it ran a little long. Because they like didn't have enough time for the undercard. They had like three fights in the undercard, so they they bumped one to like the middle of the other thing, and they, I think that confused some people. But all in all, I think it was a really good event. Um, not a lot of media coverage. It was like me and like two other dudes, but <laughs> it was still fun. I mean, I had a great time.
2: Hey man, those are the best best times because that's when when you could because uh, there's not not a whole lot of media. You can get the you can get those uh, post fight interviews in because you don't have to. You know, be fighting over anyone for, for, you know, to be able to talk to these these fighters or whatever.
3: Mm. But, I mean, the uh, guys, the, there's only one finish on the whole card. So it was like, you know, but very entertaining fights. The guy, you know, a bunch of guys, you could tell, like, maybe there were some jitters and it was, like, maybe their first pro fight and everything like that, but everybody did a really good job, and I like the team setup, the way they brought, they brought both teams out in the beginning to, like, face off against each other, like, one at a time, and it was, like, it, it was, like, a weird feel, but also, like, really cool, because so you could see, like, there was, like, building animosity between a couple of guys, and it's like, oh, well, they're going to meet again, so, you know, it's going to carry over. <laughs> I like that aspect of it.
4: Yeah,
2: I mean, it's, like I said, I, I think it's something that we need to look into moving forward, uh, you know, and not just for what MMA Pro League does. Like, you know, look at at, at that concept, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, single night tournaments, um, you know, uh, yeah, some some of these other, like, overseas promotions could probably hop into. I wouldn't be surprised if you see something like that with, like, you know a uk based one like cage warriors or abc or something like that that would be cool to see some them pick up something like that concept you know
3: mhm yeah definitely
2: um and then besides the fact that the press conference we got Conor mcgregor's uh alcohol coming out you buying that whiskey or no <laughs> uh,
3: no not <laughs> Not a whiskey drinker to begin with, but yeah. And then he's like telling people to like show up at the press conference with the whiskey and like, that's just a bad idea all around. Are you kidding me?
2: Uh, gotta love him. <laughs> then he's, uh, wasn't he running around telling people it's open to the public and it's not open to the public?
3: Yeah. He said it's open to the public. If you bring a bottle of his whiskey, if you get, to, if you bring two bottles or something like that, you'll get to the front of the line, you know, it's going to be crazy. People are going to be showing up with, like, these bottles. They're going to be, like, security, police. Insane. I'm going to get there early and get in there before the crazies get.
2: Yeah, that would be definitely the smart thing. Get there before all the the real knuckleheads get there. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, man. But, um... What else do we got from this pace? I mean, what do you actually, you know, speaking of the boxing event, I know like you're not the big boxing thing, but uh, another close decision, and people are, are upset about it. Welcome to our world. <laughs>
3: yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It was a robbery. No, it
2: wasn't. It was a close fight. It, this one clearly won it. Oh, holy crap. Do we, we hear this stuff every, <laughs> every weekend with, with, with some type of MMA event. And, you know. You know, it's all stems from boxing. This is where, where most of the MMA judges come from. We wonder why we're sitting when well, we sit with. Yeah, the judges. Um, the
3: other I don't people, know. They're so like
2: in the, not, the yeah. judges, they're in the world of their own. I'm saying the judges sometimes they are in the world of their own there. I was. I to, I told I, I told you the one time I was uh, when I went to the kick in a cage event. Uh, the World Series is going on and one of the
0: referees is sitting there watching the game
2: on his phone. I'm like, oh my god, this is not happening. This is terrible. Your phone should should be left backstage. I don't want to hear it. But um, it's crazy. I made me forget what I was about to say. Darn it! Ah.
0: Sorry! (laughs) Sorry!
2: All right, my fault for having a brain for it.
5: <laughs> uh, shoot.
2: <laughs> Damn. I gotta stop uh... becoming old and like dead spots in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I mean, other than that, moving forward, like like uh, like we were talking about with uh, with uh, MMA Pro League, uh, you know, we already the PA in in New Jersey. If you had to if you had to take a guess, what would happen for their second event? Would would you say that it would stay with one of the two teams or two totally new teams moving forward?
3: You mean if the the teams would change up or the outcome would change up? The what? Do you mean that the teams would would the teams change up or would the outcome change?
2: No, just we'll be we'll be getting two totally new teams or will one of or, or like because PA won we would see PA and maybe New York this time or maybe P or or like what we were what we were spitballing discussing about um about like seeing like New Mexico and Nevada or California or something like that.
3: Um Well, I think that they they're planning on introducing new teams eventually, but i don't I don't think that it's in this I don't think they've started with it yet, so I think that they're gonna probably have those two teams facing each other again. Um, something I thought was interesting was that they didn't allow any elbows at all, and that the PR guy told me that it's because. These guys are going to be fighting so often that they don't want any like bad ups or anything like that. So I have a feeling it's just going to be these two teams fighting each other for a, for a little while at least before they get other teams involved. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could so, hear me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like I said, no elbows. The, oh. the, there's a good possibility that these guys will be fighting more often. So. Maybe by that line of thinking, like I said, I I think that either we see more guys into these two teams or potentially one of the two would face another state.
3: Yeah, eventually they will.
2: That's the hope, right? (laughs) Uh
0: Uh-huh.
2: Oh, that's what it was. Um, uh, Now, not Pro Fight League, but the uh, – or, or MMA Pro League, now we have Pro Fight League. Just made an announcement today that 155-pound uh, division for the next, uh, the next playoff format. They're making a division for this girl. Mm-hmm. Love Kayla Harrison and everything yeah, like
3: that, I mean, but just just give her a million dollars, pretty much at this point, right?
2: And that's what a lot of people are saying. That's what a lot of people are saying right now. This is, uh, you know, uh, obviously when we get Mike I mean, later the next on. the season um, isn't going
3: to start until next year. What if, uh, what if Chris Cyborg's done with her contract by then and she joins in? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Move up a little yeah. bit, fight at 155.
0: That'd be crazy. <laughs>
3: Make a quick million. That's
0: what I think. Yeah, and a yeah.
2: lot of people are saying that. That they're pretty much saying you might as well just give her a thousand bucks now, just that in the third. So you never know who, who, who could wind bulk up bulking up and jumping on that fight. You know what I mean? Or jumping in that tournament.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
2: sure. So it's uh, I mean, love what they're doing, but you, you, you. That division is like the thinnest of thins. It's a it's a head scratch. Yeah. For sure.
3: I mean, how many people would they need to fill the division out? Each each division has like what ten fighters in it so far. It's a lot.
2: Well, you already had her fight Josette Cotton, so you get you get you gotta you gotta bring her back. You're gonna make. Are you going to bring Elkin back and, and make her stay stay at 55? Where are you going to find the, these 55-pound fighters?
3: I'm sure they'll find them somewhere. I mean, for that kind of money, people, like you said, move up and wait or just, you know, get fighters that maybe aren't as experienced. But, you know, you got to fill it up somehow. Or maybe they'll do less fighters. Maybe they'll only do like six or something like that, which doesn't really seem fair when you only have to go through six people, and while the other divisions have to go through whatever it is, ten, twelve. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they gotta. I
2: mean, I, I, I'm not with the 55 pound thing. I I feel that you know, uh, they're just uh, catering catering to. Uh, to uh, Kayla there a little bit, it should be it should be forty five. She you know
0: <laughs>
2: she needs to start cutting weight like the rest of these girls because uh, you're not going to be able to put on a uh, hundred fifty five pound fights all, all the time because you're not going to have a whole lot of uh, a lot of talent there. That division is probably the most underdeveloped division of all of all of women them in women's mixed martial arts today. It has to be. Mhm. But, I mean,
3: it'll, it'll grow if this becomes a thing. Like, when, you know, when Ronda Rousey first came over, there was only the one division in the UFC. I'm sure, you know, obviously there was other females fighting around. But then the, the amount of growth since then is crazy. Now we have all these different divisions, all these different fighters in all these divisions. So, like, you know, maybe just give it a couple of years. Maybe by next year we'll have, like, a whole new, uh, a whole new bunch of women fighting the higher weight classes. I, I really do hope so because I would like
2: to see more opportunities for 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 some of these girls, especially some of the ones who who are gonna have problems get, getting getting down. You know what I mean? This is what, what we've talked about so long. This fighter mm-hmm. safety. Uh, like I like. It's not like I'm like like pitchfork against 155. Pan- no, it's just that it's not not really developed at any point right now. The only person worth noting is Kayla Harrison at this point in time, and she's you know what just a handful of fights into her professional career. So um, that's what it is, uh, as far as that goes. Um, the other thing I uh, uh, wanted to get your thoughts on is the the ongoing saga of of, of Elias and, and Mr. Andrews, <laughs> has that has added a new chapter to it this week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Eric Andrews, he he got the best of it, I guess, because he now he's fighting in the main event. So I mean. He he didn't want to cut down to middleweight to face Elias in, in that fight, and then he you know he didn't wasn't sure if he was going to move to another card. But you know all in all, waiting out worked out better for him.
2: Yeah, while, while both of them were trading barbs at each other after Elias' fight fell through, and uh, man, we'll see that fight at one point in time. <laughs> you hear me, or are you, or are you losing me again?
3: I didn't hear you. What did you say? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's like it's, I I hear what you're saying, and then it cuts out, and then, like, it's a long pause, and I don't know if you stop talking or if I'm just not hearing you.
0: <laughs>
2: it's going to a Yeah, it definitely is. But y- you got to say this. If, if you're a former teammate of John Jones, you're thinking very carefully about uh, – uh, about, about uh, what you say or what you do around him moving forward?
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, with this whole substantial There's already assistance.
3: been so much shade of that fight camp, too, so...
2: Yeah, man, this is like uh, like I said, man. There, there's some crazy stuff going on there, and, and it, it's been going on for some time. And I just think that it's getting to the point where it's not it's not the behind the closed doors anymore. That it's starting to seep out into the public eye, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. She, and then you got she, uh, she you know, uh, Chris Thiebert basically
2: calling Amanda Nunes a traitor at this point in time for <laughs> for trading an American Top Team and not claiming Brazil or or something like that. It's uh, it's good <laughs> that that uh, that beef is looks like it's it, they're they're starting to uh, grab at straws to get some attention to it.
3: Yeah, she said because she trains with Colby Covington, that's why she's a traitor. Because Colby Covington like hates Brazil and called Brazilians filthy animals or something like that. And she doesn't think that Amanda Nuna should be training with him for that reason.
0: But
2: since she came to the United States, that's where she's trained. That that'll be like getting mad. Like, okay, you're you're a traitor because you 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 left uh, shoot the box and now you're you're you you train with with Tito and work at Team Punishment. We can, we can we can go that way, too, right? <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, every, they're, they're just looking for drama. They get, you got to build the fight up, so. It's, it's, if people have <laughs> <started laughs> to up around the thing. I don't know
2: why you have to fake it. This is what we talk about all the time, that, that fans can see through this nonsense. You don't need to fake it.
3: No, I'm not saying, I don't think she's faking it, but it's like kind of like, would this become a thing if you had something else to talk about? Probably not. You know. I don't think it's, I mean, it's
2: already it's it's already a super fight. What do you need to build up any more from that?
3: That's you gotta do nowadays. You just gotta you have to. Like they need to be it's all about the draw. I and mean, we're seeing this because they're making all these super fights. It's not like a. It's not as big of a draw just because it's a super fight anymore. I mean, I think just I think the fight between Cyborg and Amanda Nunes is a great fight, and I think a lot of people are interested in it. But that alone isn't going to be enough to build it to where they need it to be. Really, you have to have something additional.
2: Yeah, I man, it's uh, it's it's the uh, <laughs> the. The culture of uh of the MMA world today, unfortunately, I guess.
0: Yep. I don't know what else to say about it really. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and then we have, you know, mm-hmm. Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz coming back and the build up for you think a lot of people will be watching that yeah, fight. And, 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 and they're two of the West worst shit talkers I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that too. But the, the press conference, they I
2: had was, like real words. He find ways to intimidate Chuck, and Chuck is just as cold as ice. He's sitting there jumping at him at at, at the press conference. And Chuck doesn't flinch. He doesn't, his eyes does not blink. It's just like Tito. There's nothing you could do that could scare him at that point in time. Why even try mm-hmm. to? If you want to sit there and say that he's punched drunk, his chin is gone, and you're going to not find, you could say that. But the guy's not going to be scared of you. Never was. He never will be that, you know, in that aspect, he, he, he owns Tito, Tito's head. <laughs> he owns it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: At least in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's they're talking, like, it was horrible. It was like scripted and like horrible. I don't know. I was like, oh my God, am I really watching this? <laughs> <laughs> but
2: I do want to see the light. <laughs> Oh man! And uh, w- what do you thought about the uh, about Joanna uh, destroying that 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 um, Porter in Moscow trying to trying to get get her to talk crap on a <laughs> on Connor or, or or just say something in a derogatory tone or something like that? I forget what that was about. Yeah, good for her. I mean, it
3: must be annoying. Everybody, I mean. As a reporter, I know that the Conor McGregor thing gets clicks and gets attention and stuff like that. So like everybody wants to ask about it, but like as a fighter, it must get super annoying. So good for her to be like, you know what, enough.
0: You're like shut
2: up. We don't want to hear about
3: that. Go away. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, it is good for her to shut it down. Um, it you know it really is. I, you know. If you're in that situation, just like, uh, you know, uh, that one Boston radio station had Brady on uh, about a month ago, and then, like, they just kept asking a question that he told them that if you asked, and he didn't really, you
4: know, it
2: wasn't going to ask, and they just kept going at it and going at it and going at it. was like, Tom's like, well, okay, have a good day. Bye. <laughs> and just mm-hmm. hung up on them.
0: I think, yeah, than- we we'll see athletes do? do that
2: all the time. In front,
1: of, like
3: in after the fights, I mean, after games and stuff, people always do that. Fighter, I mean, uh, athletes are just like, Bye. I'm not
5: listening to this. It
2: is. You're gonna get it. And I think more, more, uh, more. You know, not just MMA fighters, but athletes in general. When you get that, that idiot, <laughs> just, just bang on them, yeah. just bang on them, end the interview, whatever. We don't have to deal with that. Yeah.
3: Why not? You would do it in real life. Why not? someone was talking to you and they started saying something stupid, you'd just leave.
2: All right. I'm going to call Dean now. All
0: right.
6: Let's wait until it dials.
2: And... Dean, Hello. Oh. You, hey. what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? Hanging in there, my friend. Uh, just so everyone knows, we are being joined by our first guest of the evening, and he is UFC veteran and America top team coach, Mr. Dean Thomas. How are we doing tonight?
6: I'm good, man. Are we live on air right now? What's going on? I want to make sure that I don't say nothing stupid.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We are oh, live on the
6: air. Okay, good.
2: Yes, we are, we are live right now, my friend. <laughs>
6: okay, good. I want to get all my cuss words out early. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? How are we doing?
2: I, I always say it like this, brother, man. Y'all can say whatever you want. We we, we, we censor ourselves. But If you guys get in the heat of the moment and uh, the adjective hits you, just do what you got to do, man.
6: <laughs> nah, man, don't worry. I'm radio savvy. So what's going on? What are we talking about tonight? I
2: love this. Hey man, We're talking well, about a little bit of I, everything right now. Yeah, that's what that's what we, that's what we love to do here. We like we like to throw a little mix of everything. I guess uh, the big news tonight is Mr. John Jones. What what do you think about that? 15 months after all that.
1: I don't know. I didn't hear
6: the news. I was I was in the in the in the lab all day. What's going? What did what did I miss? Y'all gotta fill me in. Uh
2: basically he got a 30 month leniency for some type of cooperation with, with USADA. And I think that's kind of funny considering, uh, Verdum just got, got the book thrown at him. And John Jones walks away with a lesser sentence than Verdun just got.
6: Well, let's face it guys. We know where the money is being made. You know what I'm saying? So like uh-huh. sometimes, you know, um, obviously, you know, these things are supposed to be independent sources, but, um, I think every you know, at the end of the day like everybody's in bed together. It's we need John Jones to come back because the sport of MMA kinda needs John Jones. So like they have to try to make it work for him.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it's like but they like, couldn't give like a, they couldn't give him an eighteen month sentence. They had to give him a fifteen month sentence which is just so happens that he'll be available for, you know, November, December when the two biggest cards of the year are. You know, it's like very convenient, yeah. Yeah, you know how
6: it is. I mean, you they have to. They want to make it work for for guys like John Jones. I mean, it's just good for the sport. A lot of people's gonna make money off of it. You know, it, it, I mean, Brock Lesnar might come back and fight him. If you saw Brock Lesnar the other night, he looked kind of small on the wrestling. So I mean, these things like it's just like everybody's into in bed together to make money. So you know, we just got to be able to accept it. Like Verdum is on his way out. So listen, you give him two years. Don't nobody really care. He's on his way out
2: anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of the things I think, like, as fans, like fans are always going to be like, oh, well, that's not fair. So-and-so, had, you know, had to play by the rules. This person had, like, listen, you know, we all know uh, when it gets to the top part of the sport, uh, ter- part of the sport, sometimes those guys get treated a little differently. It's the same thing when you look at Eddie. Yeah. when you talk about the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, whoever. You know, sometimes the, these guys, when they make mistakes, they get a little bit more of a leash than some of these other guys,
6: I mean that's just the way it is. That's just human behavior like nobody plays by the same rules. I mean, when you look at like the advertisement that's built up to the fight for Conor McGregor I mean when he threw that dollar through the bus window it was the worst thing ever now i mean it's the main thing that they're using to, to to promote this fight so i mean and and the and the sentence he got for that like if i threw a if I threw a rock at a car, I would still be in jail. So I mean, you know, he <laughs> threw a dolly through a bus window, and got like pro like community service, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just the, the, the way it is. We just gotta accept it.
2: The crazy part about that is now everyone's sitting there calling like uh, is, you know g- going after uh you know lo- going after firms you know for civilly to get, get hit you know those lost wages, and then people have the audacity to basically call this man a coward. He's a He's he's a female cat. This that and the third. I'm like, oh gosh, you got to stop it, man. Oh, I would I would go after
6: him too. Like, I wasn't even there, and I was trying to think of ways how I could act like I was there and pretend and try to get me some money out of it too. I couldn't (laughs) find nothing though, but I was trying to find a way where I could sue Connor too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, you got you got you got to get your hand in the pot while you can, right?
6: Yeah, man, like we got, <laughs> you gotta finesse these days. Like it's hard to make money. You gotta finesse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're
2: you, you all over the place, bro. You do, you do the podcast. Uh, you know, you you uh, you know, you, you coach. You do a little bit of everything, man. So, you know, you know what is what is life? You know, b- besides being a coach and everything else, like after becoming a fight, like you know, you're no obviously no longer an active uh, martial artist. You know what is uh what is like the daily grind for you and and things that you 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 know <laughs> goals that you still want to achieve even though your athletic career has come to an end.
6: Oh man, you make it sound so bad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, well, you know, like right now, like I've I've kind of dedicated myself towards like just being an all around entertainer. So like I'm doing you know improv comedy, a little bit of stand up comedy. I'm on a radio show down here in West Palm Beach. Um, I do acting. I'm, I'm right now. I'm putting on my own play, you know. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to stay busy, and it, it's, and it, it, it kind of feeds my soul because as a fighter, you have like all fighters have like this selfish um, need for attention and this selfish need to express themselves. And now that I don't fight, I don't have that. That, that outlet to express myself so like I immediately jumped into something else so I've been on improv for like eight years um stand up for about a year and a half or two years and then you know acting you know off and on for quite a quite a while but now like I can kind of dedicate myself and focus myself towards that and it gives me that outlet to express myself
2: now is, is acting something that you know when things pop up that you're going to kind of continue to see what you can do with?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but the thing, but, like, I, I might be a little different than, like, some of these other guys. Like, you know, when, when these roles come around to being like, these MMA movies and things, like, I'm not really interested in that. Like, for me, it's just all about having an outlet to express myself. And, I don't well, give. Uh, about I don't care. If I'm...
2: I mean, hey, you know, Marvel calls tomorrow. Like, hey, man, we need, we need, we need, uh, we need some extras in this ne- in this next movie. Maybe we can work on that moving forward. I'm sure you'd be running up <laughs> running up them steps like there'd be nothing, right?
6: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I do, I do it, I do anything. Like I'm doing, you know, I do like like I just did a couple shorts recently, just you know, low budget shorts. Like it's just for me, it's just feeding my soul of expression and creativity. And that's, that's what I needed. Like, I don't need, I'm not, you know, trying to be famous or I'm just trying to make a lot of money. I just, it's just, I just need to be to have a creative outlet to express myself. So, and you know, I I will never step into a cage again and punch somebody in the face or <laughs> get punched in the face. I'll never do that again. So acting is, is, is my outlet that, that allows me to do that.
2: Now now outside of the big stuff like, you know, we've had guys on in the past who gone like in, in Go, you know, uh to, to kind of crowdfund their, their own acting projects. We've had a lot you know, we've seen Elias Cedro is working working on some stuff like that. Is that something, you know, potentially like as you get get more involved in that, that's something you might look into to kind of kind of direct and, and produce your own little project in that way?
6: Um yeah, I mean I don't, I don't really know honestly. I mean I would because you know everybody like everybody knows like the business is tough. I mean there's so many different, you know, it's it's hard to get into because there's a lot of actors and not a lot of projects. So, um and that's why like right now I'm producing my own play because you know I'm not going to wait around for somebody to call me to cast me in a role. So I'm going to i am always step up and do my own thing. I mean, I've always been like that, even as a fighter. Like when, you know, 1995, there wasn't, like right now you go on any street corner and find a jujitsu score, a kickboxing score, a UFC gym. In 1995, there was nothing. I had videotapes and taught myself how to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I never waited around for anybody to teach me nothing. So I approached, I approached, you know, uh, acting the same way. I'm not going to wait for somebody to give me a role if i if i find a project that i like whether it's you know a short film or a theater i'm going to produce it myself and do it
2: hey I man that's that's the way it should be you know it, you know and you're absolutely right you know when when you first got into it that you, you could probably go go 100 miles before you came across a, a a legitimate you know mixed martial arts school so you know yes the times are changing in in many aspects in that one so and yeah, it's so definitely...
6: you you from Philly? Yeah, man. Who's from Philly? I am.
2: You they, guys are from Philly, they...
6: ain't you? Which one? Yeah, I'm like
1: I'm from Philly, I'm from man New I New know New
6: that New accent. <laughs> are you from where? She's
2: from New York. I'm, I'm
6: from,
3: New from New Philly. York. I'm from New York, yeah.
6: Okay. Because I know that Philly accent anywhere.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that Philly accent. So, no, I'm sorry I'm to cut you air off. Air I just, I just, air 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 just had to acknowledge air that.
0: Air. What you, uh,
2: what's your favorite, favorite thing about Philly besides the accent? Then.
6: <laughs> My favorite thing about Philly besides the accent, probably the cheese yeah. steaks.
3: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I'm sure that's right. the cliche. The
2: Now you're gonna get into it, brother. We're gonna get into it here. Hold on a sec. Now, where's the, the cheese steak at?
6: Uh oh. Uh oh. So <laughs> I, I would be listen. I know. I know the argument is you know. Uh, Pats or Genos, I know that's the argument,
2: and I've had Pat. them before. But
0: the
2: I would be all
0: the do-
2: time. <laughs> who? I said I said the tourists now, get it wrong all the time, y'all. Considering sitting there saying it's Pat and Genos Pat and Genos are tourist attractions. That's not even where you get the best steaks in this in, in the in this city, man. <laughs> all
6: right, so no, but wait a minute, wait a minute. But I will be doing my friend At this service and I will never sell my friend out. And I'm gonna go with Tony Luke's because Tony Luke is a personal mm-hmm. friend of mine, and I like Tony Luke. And I and I went there, and his cheesesteaks are the bomb. So Tony Luke's is where I go in Philly to get my cheesesteaks. Yeah, that's what
2: I like to hear. I mean, to, Tony's is is definitely like if you're gonna go with with a name in the city, Tony's is the one to go to. I, I, I'll I'll concede there, but the the Jim's uh, on South Street that that's where you gotta go. Man. What's you, it we, next time, next time you come down here, you, you, Jim's on South Street, bro. I'm telling
6: you. Jim's on South Street. Okay, I remember that because my father lives up there, and my family is from Philly. So um, every chance I can, I try to go back up there. I mean, my my family, you know, like right now, a lot of them live in West Philly and in Chester. So every chance I can, I yeah. try to
2: get up there. So, hey
0: man, Philly in done. the house, <laughs>
2: the Eagles. <Yeah. laughs> Oh no! Don't go there, man. Dude, I'll start. I'll start going crazy talking about football. We can't even go there right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have time for that, for sure.
2: Yeah, Nicole doesn't want to go there because she's a Jets fan and she doesn't want. She doesn't want to, want the the drudge up the misery. You know, considering Eagles fans are like on a on a on a high right now. We're probably gonna be on a high for like another twenty years. <laughs> yeah, let's
3: not go there. <laughs>
2: Well, the Jets are all right, you know. Sam
6: Donald play a little bit, so they're all right.
2: Yeah, and they and they got a good defense. They just got their quarterback. keep a couple more pieces. Y'all gonna y'all going t- turn around and and watch Tom Brady leave and and take over that division.
6: Been yeah, waiting for that
2: so,
6: for you know, years. This is the upside to Tom, being a Jets fan right is now.
2: Gonna, gonna hit that is gonna hit that that old man athlete wall either sometime this season, or next. That's well, he hit it last play. game, actually.
6: What's that? I think he hit it last yeah. game against um, Jack- Jacksonville.
2: Oh, I, I, as far I as, he as his old man. The gas tank in, in the Super Bowl when he just ran out of gas. Because normally, mm-hmm. that, 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 that last, the, the last two drives that they had, he normally puts that ball in the end zone and he didn't. I was just like. yeah. Did did we just watch the Dynasty Cromwell? What happened? (laughs) So I'll I'll take it. Anything to stop talking about Tom Brady for the next five years would be awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
6: Yeah, right. We're we're about sick of Tom Brady, huh? (laughs) I hear you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Listen, listen, I got no disrespect for him on a a personal level. It's just I I just can't stand how, like, all the shock jock people who freaking cover – football just like literally every every any time another quarter up, oh, but he, he's no Tom Brady. Oh do you know Tom Brady. I'm like, would you stop it? <laughs> no. Yeah
6: right? Why every yeah why compare him to Tom Brady? Jesus. <laughs>
2: I thought like listen, so, I love Tom Brady but my my mind, you know, no one will ever change my opinion on this. Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback that ever lived. You cannot argue with me on this point. <laughs> Tom, That's crazy. Statement. I'm sorry.
6: <laughs> yeah, you can make you could make a strong case for that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that. <laughs> in fact, like we were just talking about that, that on our radio show today.
2: Is it like flipping out his heels and you know, you know, uh knocking him off balance every now and again, but you no. Know, he's got three L's in the Super Bowl, too many controversies around him and kicker saved him one too many times.
6: That's a good point. That is a good point. But that is respect, a great point, actually. He,
2: he's the greatest of our era, Mudeau. Of this era, he is the greatest of this era, New Yeah. And
6: that,
2: and that's hard to say, consider Pey- what Peyton did. But he's got the he's got the hardware.
6: Yeah. Yeah. True.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the kind of
6: thing you always gotta give these guys respect when they when they get that hardware. When they win them championships, you gotta give them their props.
2: And you think, gotta give them the Because i 'Cause I'm gonna put this right into the next point. You know, you're you guys you got a guy down there who 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 works out of your gym from time to time. His name is Tyron Woodley and he just ain't getting not enough respect from the fans, from the promotions, from everything in between. He's you know, I remember watching that loss when um when Nate Marfort like literally took a took a piece out of out of his upper lip and he was just watching the look on his face mm-hmm. that night and then watching what happened after that the just the bodies of destruction he laid as he made his his way up to the top of that division, and where he is now it's just I just can't believe we're still not talking to him in the respects that he should deserve. We talk about d c in this this is totally different light, but Tyron doesn't get the same love. it's just odd.
6: Yeah, you know what? I think I think it's going to come around, though. I think it is going to come around. And I think he's realized something is that, like, you can't blame the fans for not liking you. And I think that was always kind of been his thing is that, you know, he would blame the fans for not liking him. And I think that when, when he decided to stop doing that, the fans are going to come around to him. Because when they just realize how genuine and how good of a guy he really is, and how good he is for the sport and how much he does for his community, not only just his community, but people around him and everybody, that people are going to come around and like him. Um, but I think that the fact that, you know, he opened his mouth a little bit and, and said some things, that just kind of rubbed people the wrong way. It was kind of unforgiving for some people. But I think everybody's going to come back around to him, especially with the current – especially you can't deny him now because the next two or three guys he's going to fight are just, you know – I think he's just going to walk right through him, considering he just the way, the way he beat Darren until who I thought was the best, second best guy in the division.
3: Mm-hmm. Especially with yeah. that, a, fight, a possible fight with Colby Covington coming up, I mean, people hate that guy. So it's like if you got to pick one of the over over the other, I think a lot of people will be turning a friendly face to Tyron Woodley, even if they they may not like him per se. You know, he's kind of the good guy in that situation.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, we definitely, like, from a matchup perspective, we love that fight. From a marketing perspective, I mean, listen, I mean, it might be the start of the race war, but, listen, we, we're we really prepared for for any type of marketing they're going to pull on this fight, and we're just going to keep it the same way. We'll keep our mouth shut, time we go out there and fight, and then, you know, whatever, wherever the chips may fall, that's where the chips are going to fall.
2: You know what I would do any time that he says some crazy nonsense, I would just get a picture of like Tyrone with some duct tape on his mouth that says "No hate" across it, and just that's his only response. No hate. Yeah, no hate.
6: I mean honestly, I think that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at right now. You know, we trying to just you know avoid all the negativity and just and we're just trying to be a just trying to live in a positive way. I mean, he's got so much going on. You know, he's. I mean, I don't know how y'all thought about his album. It seemed to be getting mixed reviews, but you know, he's he's got or his song, but he's got, like, a full album. He's got a full EP. He's got 30 songs waiting to drop on everybody. So um, he's just going to keep his mouth shut and just just be undeniable, just put himself out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of these guys that just, you know, as much as people like to want to nitpick, oh, you know, he isn't the most excited. You know, you know, he he's brash. He speaks his mind outside of the cage. Like that's the kind of champion we really want at the end of the day. I don't really think Tyron's did anything to be un that that you can't forgive him for. I think, I, I mean, I think uh, at this point in time, Cody has done more to make himself unforgiving than anything Tyron has done in his entire career. But this is the uh, the way I guess uh, you know. Uh, uh the, the the social world works in some ways but like i said i think you're right it's just, it, it it's it's almost at the peak where he's going to start seeing that that sunshine on him he's almost there
6: yeah he's almost there and i mean it helps now that um i mean he obviously made the boss happy with his performance you know i, I know you know dana white kind of got some you know some negative reviews on his his behavior after the fight, but I don't think Dana had uh-huh. any ill will towards Tyron, and um, I
2: would and now that Dana, like, like you know him a lot better than than most of us would, and like uh, like some people say, oh, it's a coincidence. Oh, there's no, we know exactly why why he did that. You know, you're a guy that that's kind of seen both it from the fighter's perspective, the coach's perspective. You you know, you've worked with the guy off of the promoter lifestyle. Do you think just out of, out of spite he would do that to Tyron, honestly?
6: No, nah, I don't think he would. You know, um, I really don't think he did. I don't think he would do that. I think that, you know, Dana is uh, – and believe it or not, for as like, many stories, as he tells, like, he, he kind of sometimes has to tell stories because he's trying to, you know – Timing is is right on everything when it comes to marketing. So like sometimes he might say, "No, we're not doing that fight because it's not the right time to say it because we're trying to wait to announce it at a certain time." But
2: yeah. he's that's honest about he, his opinion. Because so Ariel. Ariel kind of winds up, uh, you know, uh, putting putting him in a position where he's not ready. Like, no, no, I'm not ready to talk about that. to him just yeah, yet. I mean, he, there.
0: He, he,
2: yeah. give me another few days there, i will get to back that. to
0: you.
6: Yeah, he has to do that, but. When it comes to his opinion of people, he's very honest about that. And I don't think that he would have um that he would have did that with Tyron. You know, I don't think that he truly hates Tyron. they don't see eye to eye all the time. I mean they just have different personalities. They have this actually the same personalities, just different upbringings. But um but I don't I don't think that he would ever do that to Tyron.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would be something like a malicious – like, Tyron would have to have put on the worst absolute performance in his entire career for him to maliciously do it that way. But I don't – like I said, yeah. I, I don't think that would be the case. Like, sometimes, like, people don't realize, you know, like, being Dana White, he has other responsibilities, too. That's why a lot of times over the last five to ten years, he has started – giving his responsibilities to other people so he can kind of do some of the other stuff behind the scenes that many of us don't really know about.
6: Yeah, I mean, honestly if Dana had a problem with Tyron after that, he wouldn't have been quiet about it. He would have flat out said no, something he'd like he have been
0: on the pillow <laughs> he was speaking his mind. <laughs>
6: yeah, he would have said something. He would he would have made some type of statement about it if he had a problem with it or but he didn't say anything and I, and I truly believe did, um whatever for whatever reason he left i know he's you know i was speaking to his security guy he said that they had a flight to catch i know he had a flight to catch and i know i just know that he wouldn't have had any ill- will towards siren after him winning that fight
2: now another thing like as being a coach and like you know we're starting to see some of these new promotions pop up you know uh you know my co-host just covered the uh the mma pro leagues inaugural event where you had them bring back the team based concept to uh to, to you know uh martial arts. Yeah. Um there you know there is rumors that they, they, they will be, you know, expanding beyond just the team PA, Team New Jersey. If they went down there into the uh in the sunshine shade, uh would that be something you might be interested in getting your team involved into?
6: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, MMA at every we need MMA on every level, you know, and we need it so that guys can um, You know gain more experience and be able to provide for themselves. I mean we give You know, we put a lot of responsibility on the UFC to to make sure that fighters have opportunities to survive But I know one thing you know when when guys are in the UFC and then they get cut from the UFC A lot of them have to retire because they just can't make it. There's no opportunities for them. There's nowhere else for them to go so the more promotions we have, the better, and hopefully these other promotions can increase, you know, their 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 branding and their marketing and their hopefully their audience attendance, so that they can pay their fighters a little something as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, PFL looks like they have a uh, a decent format. We'll see what the longevity I of the that PFL. is. I, that's always yeah. been my question mark with that, just because. We all know what happened with World Series of Fighting. It started off real strong, and it, and it just kind of petered out there a little bit, regardless of what the circumstances were. To that, they've rebranded. They kind of restarted, they reformatted their whole thing. I just I, I have to see the the body of work before I, I'm 100% sold on on it. Not to sit there and say that I don't think it will. Just you know, we know what history is when it comes to other promotions outside of uh, the uh, you know the uh, the big dog there.
6: Yeah, but, I mean, I got to tell you, I do love what the PFL is doing. I love the format, you know, because it it puts everything back on the sport and not necessarily the circus of the fight. When, you know, you're dealing with the UFC, it's like, you know, if you bark enough and you make enough noise, you'll get opportunities. In the PFL, it's all based on your performance. You win, you move up. You submit a guy, you get more points. You knock him out, you get more points. If you lose, you, you're done. And UFC is a little different. It's kind of like, you know, you can win, but, you know, if you – talking enough trash, you're gonna move up a lot. But I like the format mm-hmm. of the PSL; it brings it right back
0: to the sport. <laughs> and then, and yeah. then the
2: other thing is, is it, go, go ahead, Nikki. I know you got something else. Go
3: ahead. You no, I just wanted to also ask you about, um, you know, that little moment after UFC 228 where you had you presented Tyron Woodley with his black belt. Like, how long did you have that planned, and what? What? How special was that moment for you?
6: Well, um, this was something. I had planned that probably two weeks prior to to the fight that I was going to give him his black belt um, at the fight, just because you know he had he had he was supposed to get his black belt two years ago, and he never got it, and he was kind of in limbo about how he was going to get it. But I never said anything to him. I just said, you know what? And he uh, he had always talked about man, like he just really wanted to be a black belt, and he was like really kind of <laughs> sour because he he didn't get it two years ago. Um. So, and, and it's funny because like one day Duke Rufus were practicing. And he goes, "Man, you should get tired in his black belt." And I was like, "Shh, don't say nothing." And but Duke didn't know. Duke didn't know that I was coming either. Nobody knew. Uh-huh. So um. So yeah, I, I ended up getting the belt and uh, I took it to the arena with me. And I knew how much you know we drilled so much, so many submissions for this but I was like, and I just knew in my head. I said, "If you just take Darren so off of his feet for a split second he won't be able to get back up, and he won't be able to escape your submissions. And I just knew it. I, and I, I figured he'd get him down. I thought he—I didn't know how he was going to get him down, but I said, if you just get him off his feet, I promise you, you'll submit him, and it's easier than you think. And and he did it. And I was just so proud of him, man. It was a really special moment.
3: Yeah, it seemed that way. It's like I saw a picture of like um, them putting the UFC belt around him, and he was like, oh, whatever. And then it's like the picture of you giving him the black belt. And he was like so more, much more emotional. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I mean, well, like, you know, when you go into a fight like
3: that, he's like, oh, no, you
0: didn't.
6: Yeah, <laughs> well, he's well, we expected to win the fight, not to take anything away from the from winning a fight. But it's like, you know, you train to win like we train to win. We don't train like I don't train fighters to fight. I train them to win and I try to train them to finish. So we—that's kind of like part of our expectations, you know. what I'm saying like we expected this, but he never expected the belt. So like that's what it was kind of like. Oh my goodness, what what, what is going on here? So yeah, it was a, it was a good moment, man. It was very memorable, and I think it's a, I think he's getting the picture frame of of him getting that belt too. So <laughs> that's
3: awesome. Well, at least
2: you know that, that you made the moment that that much more memorable by making him wait, because I don't think he probably would have appreciated or had the reaction that he had. If you just gave it to him two years ago when he was kind of expecting it, yeah.
6: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, nothing nothing is better than a surprise. You know, that's why, like, I don't know if you guys train jiu-jitsu, but, but, you know, I, I had my own jujitsu school for 12 years, and nothing was worse than when... You know, students who go, hey, when am I going to get my belt? And i would be like, man, well, I was going to give it to you tomorrow, but you ruined the surprise, you know. So there's nothing worse than, like, guys <laughs> expecting a belt.
2: So that's what you do so you don't have to hear it. You, you make them think that every time you're going to ask me about it, I'm just going to keep pushing it back.
6: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way I, I God, start God, I Like, you keep asking me for this. I take something from them,
2: and that, that then – like, I'm literally just a, like, like, literally like, like either minutes or hours away from just like, oh, I think I'll give it back to them then. And then one of will be like, hey, when am I going to get this back? Or when are we going to do this? I'm like, eh, yeah, it's not happening now. Yep,
6: that's it. Yeah, that's exactly how you have to treat them. <laughs> to to <them> Shut up. <laughs>
2: yeah now one last one before before i flip it back over to nicole like uh obviously you know uh you know lots of uh lots of things moving around shaking in in the sport you got the uh potential uh of uh valentina and, and uh joanna uh being able to renew their their rivalry uh some people are happy about it some aren't I, i'm in the aren't category i'm just kind of old school like that i want to see uh Some of these contenders get a shot. I think the Joanna and Valentino fight will be there at a bigger event. But it seems like that, you know, as you were speaking of, you know, MMA kind of needs these big fights right now, especially the UFC. And this is, I think, kind of what we're going to be put put upon us regardless of uh, what we feel is right or whatever.
6: Yeah, well, you know, that's an interesting fight. That's an interesting fight. Do
2: you feel this is a fight to make right now?
3: Well, Did we lose him?
2: Oh, no, his number's still there.
3: <laughs> oh, I don't know. Scared him away.
2: <laughs> I scared him away with a Yoana
3: question. <laughs> yeah. He pulled the Yoana. He's number? like, forget you guys. <laughs>
2: Um, all right, well, let me uh let me try to call him back real fast. <laughs> we got you back now, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I was in the middle of something profound though, um <laughs> so as I was saying, yeah, as I was saying, it's for the fans for name recognition it's kind of the only fight to make because who else are you going to put in there? Are you going to put in, you know, uh, Caitlyn and I, I can't even pronounce her last name.
0: So I love her, her to death. She's a
6: great fighter. Yeah, she probably could deserve it. Um, you know, you're going to put Liz in, Car- you know, Jessica I, she could say with, Liz Carbucci. Car- she does?
2: Yes, Liz holds a win over Valentina. And I think, and I think...
6: Liz, like, watching her last fight, she showed that she could potentially be a threat in that division and possibly give a challenge if not beat Valentina. But for name recognition, and, you know, that's what the UFC is all about, the biggest fight, mm-hmm. bring the biggest draws, it's only jo- it's only Joanna does that.
2: I mean, yeah, like, I, like I said, I know I get the whole right, right uh, the name recognition thing, and it's the big fight to make. But literally, like, you like you know you have girls that have kind of been already fighting there and this fight will be there like you can make this fight you know the 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 super the 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 super bowl saturday fight or or even you know international fight week and it'll be that much more bigger this fight's going to be there a a lot of people feel that doesn't matter you know who you put in there next that that it should be valentina i mean I also, you know, regardless of what everyone feels about the the Nico Montoya situation, uh, not real fan of, of, of them stripping her of her title within a calendar year, regardless of all the injuries and whatnot. Cain Velasquez was allowed to freaking be injured almost regularly and still wasn't stripped. Felt it would have been an opportune time for another intern, but I'm not the guys that make those decisions. That's just kind of my take on it. But... I'm not going to sit there and say Yohan is like all this completely undeserving of it. They have history. It's a big fight to make. I get it. But I guess that's just kind of the old school with me. I I I just want to see the people who kind of earn their spots get the shots.
6: I know. And trust me. Hey, listen, man, I agree with you. I'm there. I'm there too. But the UFC is not there. You know what I'm saying? Like the UFC doesn't operate on that level. Yeah, the UFC doesn't operate on that level. They don't – like in the PFL, that will be the fight to make in the PFL. Those other fights will be the fights to make in the PFL because that's the way they operate. But DOC doesn't operate that way. So then we can't pick and choose when we want to treat it like a sport and when we want to treat it like a spectacle. If it's going to be a spectacle, hey, just make it a spectacle. You know what I'm saying? Let's just let – that's why I say, hey, let, if we're going to treat it like a spectacle and all we care about is entertainment, I can't wait for Logan Paul to show up and fight. That's gonna be so fun to watch him get beat up. <laughs> hey
2: man, I want to. I don't care who who does it. I just want to see
6: it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, that's the way we kind of treat the UFC. We treat it like that. So, hey, let's go all out and do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Why not? But if we want to treat it, if we want to treat it like a sport. Let's treat it like a sport. Let's get rid of all the bones that don't belong in the UFC. Let's allow. Let's let's rank them properly. Let's give title shots to those who truly deserve it. And that's the way I would love to see it, but we don't do it that way.
0: Huh.
2: This is something that I guess a lot of people didn't see coming when Dana was sitting there saying that they were going to make it so that they could make the fights they would want to make that they feel the fans would want to see. And at the time, everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, rah." Now everyone's on the total opposite. It's hilarious.
6: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's what it is. Like Dana gives the fans the fights that they want to see, but if you do it that way, I mean, it's. I mean, I guess that's just the, the way the sport is now. But you know, you're going to pass up a lot of you're, you're going to pass up a lot of great fighters and a lot of guys will not get opportunities. And um, it just it changes the dynamic of the sport. It changes the way people train now because now people aren't yeah. training to, to properly win fights. They're just training to be exciting and talk trash.
2: Such is the culture of our sport now, ain't it, my friend? Yeah. I mean, you
6: know, in the perfect world, I mean, in this world, like Justin Gaethje will be the champ, you know, like he's he's the guy that everybody wants to see. They want that style of fighter. And um, it's not healthy for him, but it also to me, it's just kind of like uh, I don't know, you know, I I, I prefer, you know, a, a different type of fight. Let's just say that.
2: We we all have our own taste when it comes to it. It's one of the reasons why I need my show "Kate Fat Submissions" because as much as I love a knockout, and and my my foray into combat sports was watching Mike Tyson in boxing when I was a kid, but I, I just I love the submission game. You know, I the guy, the boo birds at, at the fights. I'm the one standing up sh to to, to to shut the front door because I want I want to see how it goes on the ground too. It's a real fight, not 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 a street brawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's another thing too that I think maybe because you know
6: we never like, especially me coming up. I've been you know involved in this for over 20 years, and I never thought that we'd even be at this point. But with the whole thing with with ESPN picking it up and covering it now, you know, if ESPN treats it like they do other sports, I think it'll educate fans more, and I think fans will be actually more educated to the ground game because, like right now, they don't get a lot of exposure to it, and they just want to see knockouts. But I think you know, if they have if ESPN puts more shows on, has more analysts, and are talking about like ground game and strategy, I think we may see something see something really developed with, with mixed martial arts and especially as with, uh, long
2: as they develop past Ariel Homani we should be alright. I love Ariel to death but I just don't feel like he's kind of the guy that's going to educate the masses.
4: You know what I mean?
2: Not to take anything away from him. I just you know you know people love him, people hate him, people are indifferent about him. I just you know he, he's the analyst but he's not an analyst.
6: No, no, they need you need to you need to get Dominic Cruz in there. You need to get Tyron Woodley in there. You need to get Paul Seldon in there. You need to get these guys in here who know what they're talking about to to educate the fans on what's going on.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, nothing against Ariel. Like like it just when you, when you're we're speaking about it the way we are, you need a real analyst. He he he's a great guy to to, to, to interview some of these guys or whatever. I don't really think Chael's the guy they should have lined him up with, but uh you know within the next three to five years I think you know we'll, we'll see somebody like like Dominic cruz etc to to kind of go in there
6: yeah like I said that's the only like right now that's kind of the premier show that they started with but I think in January when the whole um, when the whole thing changes over and it beens like covering everything hopefully they add more shows and they, and they treat it like they do football they have like shows on it and just and it's going to be on the sports center more. So I think I think it's going to do really good for for the UFC.
2: I, I do too. Um, went a little bit over what, what we were supposed to. But, uh, Dean, uh, oh. <laughs> absolute pleasure having you on tonight. Uh, what we typically do at the end is kind of like throw the proverbial microphone over to you. Anyone you want to thank, uh, you know, you know, send some love to or, or, you know, charities you work with, you know, anything like that. The, the time is yours, my friend.
6: Oh, wow. Well, you know what? And this is something that I always do, man. I do want to thank you guys for um, allowing me to come on here and speak, man, because, you know, without you guys, you know, I'm just an old timer in the gym. You know, I don't want to I don't want to die like, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman and a million dollar baby. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate you guys <laughs> allowing me to come on here and come on here and speak my piece and keep me keep me relevant.
2: Well, uh, I don't think you'll never not be relevant man. The, the, no matter how this sport changes, there's always going to be room and a place for guys like you. Like literally we're just talking about a, a, you know something I think that would would do good for you. You know, you know, as ESPN changes and they start moving along, uh, why not put your resume in there, my man?
6: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm definitely I'm definitely working towards that. I definitely wouldn't mind doing that then you, know, yeah,
2: you know you know re- re- reach for reach for the farthest limits of the galaxy if you don't reach it there's, there's still other things to grab as you fall back down
6: Mhm Yeah man well I, no doubt man that's, that's prolific man I appreciate that <laughs> All
2: right Zane It's hey. absolute pleasure my friend definitely looking forward to having you back on here again and uh, you know uh, looking forward to see- seeing uh, w- what other uh, madness in, in the uh, in the laboratory you guys are brewing up <laughs>
6: <laughs> thank you, man. Trust me, you go. You gonna see more. You go. I'm not going nowhere. So you guys be cool, man. I appreciate you. All right.
0: Thank
3: All you. Right, have you.
6: Have a good night. Cool All
2: right. See you. All right, everyone. That was the one and only Dean Thomas. Another uh, another fun uh, inter- interview lined up with him. Definitely ran a little bit over. Hopefully, uh, uh, Mister Regman won't be uh, too angry with me <laughs> about being a little <laughs> bit late. But fine. Um. But yeah, that was definitely uh, definitely a uh a, a good conversation we just had there with Dean, touching yeah, on all kinds definitely. of little subjects there. But uh we got my man Steven Regiment on the line now. Steven, what's up my friend? How we doing tonight?
5: Hey, how's it going?
2: All right, we we excellent. Sorry, we ran a little bit over with uh with with Coach Dean there. We got we kinda got into some conversations and lost him for a minute, had to get him back going a little bit over. <laughs> funny but uh it going, now we got we got uh we got you got got you back on here big win this weekend you, you got got you're riding a four fight winning streak now got a got got a big knock out there at uh lfa 49 there how
5: happy are you with that with that performance how do i feel about it yeah man oh well um i feel as though i went to uh i mean i'm happy with it. obviously a win you know, is always good, especially with a knockout like that. I hate going to the judges, so I always want to finish the fight. Um he comes out from a, a good a well known Cam Jackson wing. So um that didn't make me nervous or anything. It was actually a lot more excited, especially since I knew that uh he goes in to he goes into the finished fight, he knocks people out, so I was like, Oh you know, if he feels like standing we can stand and uh let's see where this goes. Um I wish I would have pulled the trigger a lot sooner. I knew that I knew I knew what his game plan normally is because he does the exact same thing for all fights. He ducks his head down, he you know, bosses side, throws overhand rights, you know, overhand left. And I knew that um all his other fights that he had, uh the guys don't have no movement whatsoever. So I knew that my movement was gonna make it hard for him. But uh overall I was I was happy with my performance.
2: Yeah, it looked like he was really trying to like, 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 like push the pace, and he kept missing you. And it looked like, like every time he missed you, he look, he got more angry, and kept swinging harder and harder and harder, until and so oh, eventually he oh, made for a sure.
5: Better. Yeah, for sure. And he, um, he ended. Up, I saw him in the sauna the night before the day of weigh-ins, and uh, he didn't look too good. So I knew that, you know, obviously he was missing weight, but you know I like to take the fight anyway. And uh, I knew that he was probably going to come out hard. To try to finish the fight early, early you know, sooner than later because if it went on later in the round, I'm pretty sure he would have been uh later on in the fight I should say. I'm pretty sure he probably would have been more uh tired. So I wanted to see where his cardio was at. Um and I also wanna see, you know, what his game plan was in case he, you know, decided to change it. But I knew for the most part people go back to their own tendencies. And uh his tendency is to just put his head down and kind of swing.
2: hey man and and you did it beautifully man that 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 flying knee kind of gave you the distance and the the quick one two just put it out it was beautiful, thank you very much <laughs> and then as soon as I, I booked the interview, i got my uh i i got our, our our ticket winner from the from last week uh Sophie hit me up like, oh Steven's so awesome Just training him over at uh Pellegrinos and stuff like that. She's uh she's a little fireball. I love that kid.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, Sophie, yes, yes, definitely. Definitely, definitely. She's <laughs> uh she's a talented young wild little girl. There's a lot of traditions on but she's very, very talented. Yeah. Uh, she's always uh you know <laughs> you know, uh
2: sharing our stuff, checking us out. She 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 won the last two giveaways that we had. I'm like, she can't stop this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It was, <laughs> she pays more attention to the half the other friends that do. So hey, <laughs> I can't I can't uh-huh. uh, get away from her for 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 listening to the rules and following through on it. Yes. <clears throat> but you know you know you uh you got your call out afterwards. You, you know you you said your piece there at at uh, at LFA. Um, you know you. You got uh, you got the uh the record that kind of shows what you need to do. What do you think else that you need to do moving forward? I mean, uh, a lot of guys are trying trying to do the the Dana White Contender Series road. You know you're you know you're you're uh you got LFA, which is obviously you know one of the quote unquote feeder leagues for the uh, the big show there. I mean, what else do you feel that you have to do now? You got the big knockout on the big stage.
5: Is it? Is I it another don't belt? What it? I, I do honestly. I don't know what I have to do. I, um, I uh, Dana White's come to I think one or two of my fights. He definitely didn't know. I'm not sure if he came to a second one. Um, I know he came to one that was CFFC. I'm not sure if he came to a Ring Combat one that I was at. But um, when I put Dave on my phone, he was there. You know, I talked some math, and he said, "All right, you know, next you know next fight. Make sure you know it doesn't go all three rounds. Finish it sooner." He was impressed with that, you know, the knockout. That was the one where the guy, Dave, my phone, tried to take me down. I had my leg over my head. and knocked him out. Um, so then the next fight after that was um, the ring combat. Uh, huh? Wasn't that the Shogun fight? Or was it no? It was, was the uh, Dave, Dave, my phone. Oh,
2: okay, okay, okay.
5: He, he tried to take me down. and He picked up my leg over my head, trying to take me down. And I was just hopping on one leg and then knocking him out with the uh, with a cross. Uh, Dana White was there. Uh, I think that night, um, Jared Gordon ended up getting signed. Um, Uh, Oh, after that, yeah, that
2: was in Atlantic City. Yeah, you're right. I remember now.
5: Yeah, so after that, I had the ring combat fight at uh, on the lightweight title, and then I ended up knocking that guy in the first round. Um, And then after that, I was supposed to fight uh, Mackie Patolo. But that fight fell through. I um, know he ended up coming uh, way over the weight we were in the fight, at and it just never happened. Um, and then finally, I get you know the fight at uh, what was the Shogun. I fought Shogun. That was a knockout. I fought this one. That was a knockout. So I'm not sure what I have to do. And after a while, you know what? You know, you gotta start talking. You know, you gotta start. You know, making some noise on on the camera, on the mic. So that's, that's what I decided to do. You know, when you keep knocking people out, I know Dana White and the UFC loves finishers and you're finishing people, but you see them signing a lot of guys. They may have better records or like undefeated records, but all their wins are decisions or they don't have a, a high finishing rate and they're still getting signed. What else am I gonna, you know, supposed to do? So I saw the camera and I said what I had to say.
2: Hey man, uh, I, I hope you get it too, man. You're one, you're one of these guys. I've been I've been I've been following you for you know, three four years now. You you put the work in. You've had your highs. You've had your lows. You you've had your amazing performance with this guy in front of you. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a good I, camp, I don't know what so It's not thinking. like he was from a, a you know <laughs> back Yeah, it should have been much more
5: at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to keep the weight low and uh, continue doing what I'm doing. I said what I had to say. I'm not going to keep saying it on like, social media and whatnot, but I said it. I had the video. I posted it. Other people posted it. It blew up on like Instagram and Twitter and everything. So uh, hopefully the right people, Mick Maynard, um, Sean Shelby, and you know, Dana White, they see it and decide to either put me on the contender or just – if somebody drops out of a fight at one seventy, you know, put me in. I mean, uh,
2: I don't know man. Maybe you could start stalking some of these uh, some of these uh you know unranked uh welter rates in the in the UFC and start start uh you know uh injuring their opponents or something, you know, just start throwing some like jacks down. <laughs> <at>
0: them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you just stepped and broke your ankle. I'm sorry, bro.
0: Hey, oh, yo, Sean, yeah, you know, I'm
5: available. Hey, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on wait right now. You know, it just so happens I'm in uh, Boston. You know, I don't know where. It just so happens I'm in MSG. You know, looking for an opponent.
2: Now, when, when and if that time does come, because you know, I'm just I'm just gonna assume that 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 it's gonna happen sooner or later, anyways. If you could lay out your perfect scenario for a debut. W-
5: would it be New York? The Mad Square driving car on November third, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah,
2: I, I, I think uh I think that's everyone uh, right now. I mean yeah I, I felt I yeah, was but... really bummed out for uh for what happened to Lyman with, with with his situation with the um with the supplement and then like he kind of lost his, his opportunity that to, to have the location, everything, the, the way he needed to. I mean, he still eventually got what you know, the, the kind of homecoming thing, but
5: uh-huh. not the
2: same. <laughs> you know, yeah, you've seen guys it's not who the just same kind of lose all. out on opportunities. You've seen um, Anthony Smith. He was he was begging, fighting, you know, was damn there, telling guys he would pay them to to, to fight him on the on the Lincoln card. Didn't work out, but I think he wound up better off in the long term. You've seen guys that kind of. Wait their opportunity to get the per- the perfect thing. I mean, I think it's great now that the UFC is so much more active in 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 the state of New York with with it being you know legal there finally. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know New York is your is 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 kind of your you know your your
5: mecca so to speak. <laughs> oh yeah, you know obviously wherever it is, you know I would be – you know, perfect, you know, perfect scenario, I'm just hanging out, and I get a call like, hey, you're fighting. I would <laughs> just be extremely happy. Whether it's on November, uh, the MSG card, whether it's uh, in Vegas on the McGregor card, the uh, Khabib McGregor card. Wait, where is it? That one's in Vegas, right? I believe so, yeah. Okay. But any, either, any card, any card. really. I just want to get in there and start uh, messing up their rankings. That uh, you
2: should want to, you know, I'm not, I'm here to mess up all your plans until I'm your plane.
5: <laughs> yep. Basically. I
2: mean, that's the way it should be, right? <laughs> yep.
5: Going there. I don't care about the division. I don't care the, about, I don't care about judges.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's what every fighter's dream should basically be. I want to be your biggest heartbreak until I'm, I'm the one you fall in love with.
5: Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. You know, especially if you know a, a, a ranked, a top twenty or top fifteen fighter, or whoever. You know, the next big thing is coming up, and you know, somebody drops out, they throw me in there, and they're like, okay, you know, we need this guy to fight because he has a big following. I go in there and just ruin this night. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> this is what I say all the time. Is like, like just
2: you know, some guys like. You know, we, we all feel like sometimes, like, you guys don't get some of the respect you deserve regardless of from the promotion, from the fans, whatever. You know, it's something we were talking about when we just had Dean on. And sometimes it really doesn't matter because sometimes you wind up getting more fans from the people that that initially hated, oh, you don't deserve this fight. You're going to get destroyed. And then you go in there and, like, literally burst their bubble, destroy their idol, and then all of a sudden, that, now they're
5: your fans. That's how it exactly. works. <laughs>
2: exactly.
5: Exactly. That's exactly how, you know, how it happens. Actually, one of my um, friends who came down to the fight with me, um, my friend Matt, he uh, he actually found a video online that I guess uh, my opponent, my previous opponent I just had, did when they were asking him about the fight, about how weight was going. He said in the interview that weight was completely fine. Um <laughs> Then he said that he had him and his coach had the perfect game plan for me. It was a different game plan, you know, um, that I haven't fought the people that – the caliber of people that he's fought. And I personally think I fought better people that he's fought. Um, Obviously, his weight weight wasn't on point. And uh, I don't know what other game plan he had because he did the exact same thing that he does in all his fights. So – I was more upset about the video after like the fight. To, uh, some people like yeah. to
2: pull the magician trick. Like, hey, I'm just putting this veil over here just so you think something different's going on, and we're just gonna do the same thing over and over again. Oh yeah,
5: again. oh yeah, of course,
2: <laughs> of course. But I gotta ask you. I was more, uh, you know. Go ahead, bro. Go on. No, go ahead. I was gonna ask you because, uh, you know. Uh, the uh new Predators movies out and, and your namesake is obviously the Predator and a lot of people are, are high on this movie. It kind of uh ties together some of some of the, the, the past movies and whatnot. Have you have you checked it out or do you have any interest in, in checking out the uh the new predator for
5: Oh, for sure. I love the predator movies and that's actually I had a bunch of people texting me saying, um like the day of the fight, like, oh, you know, good luck in the fight. You know, I I know things are gonna be good. You're fighting on the same day that the new Predator movie's coming out. I think you know that's a sign and this and that. I haven't been able to check it out in the uh, movie theater yet, but I definitely want to go check it out.
2: Yeah, my my buddy like went the day of it and he was like he was like he's like, like trying to like geek out on it without destroying it for me. He was like just know that it t- it it ties in some of the the past films that we've seen over the past ten years. I was like oh okay. That's cool. Okay. I was like I was like just leave it there, you don't have to say nothing more. I get the premise. <laughs> yeah. No, but I definitely. And that check there it was out. also some, some pretty funny scenes as well of, of uh of being your typical action flick. Of
0: course.
2: <laughs> and then Technical difficulties has knocked Nicole off, so I guess we're going to have to wait for her to give text. From she's been on phone all night long. At first, like uh, she couldn't hear like anything I was saying. It's been fading in and out. <laughs> wait, there uh-huh. she goes. She's calling from her phone this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, Something's wrong with my computer, so I had to call back from the phone. <laughs>
3: yeah. One of those nights.
2: Technology does not like you today.
3: <laughs> no, it doesn't.
0: <laughs>
2: But oh, you, you know now that the the fight's done and and over with, you're kind of in relaxing time. The movie's probably gonna be one thing. Are you gonna be? Uh, are you gonna be any of the uh, the football the next few weeks or what? You gonna catch a game?
5: Oh, the football games. Yeah, man, it's football season. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> it's football season. It's football season. <laughs> I'm I've been watching the games <laughs> nonstop. My team got a. Uh, I think I kind of destroyed you, this past. If I remember correctly, Steve
2: bleeds blue, right?
5: No. What is it? <laughs> it is a blue, but it's not the the Giants blue. Oh, <laughs> we're New England Patriots fan. Means. Yeah, I oh, am a New England
3: God. fan. Oh, Patriots! Huh? <laughs> are my enemy. We got
5: destroyed this weekend, though the The weekend, <laughs> this past game, I was watching. I'm like, wow, they are getting destroyed. And I was at, I was at my my boy Matt. Um, he's a Giants fan, so he was talking trash the whole game. Then once the Giants came, when I was able to talk trash during the whole game, so it, it was it was good. It was
2: good. I'm sorry, I was very very high on the Giants coming the season, and after watching with Dallas, just they're doing, they just no, no. Oh yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure my team can win this division with ten wins. This division's
5: still not not ready yet. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, football, football is a big sport in my house. Yeah, so we got
2: so we got three different ones here. You got me, the Eagles fan. You, the Patriots fan, and and she's a Jet fan.
5: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. So you
2: do realize that once Tom goes, that, that the Jets are going to take over that division. You do realize that, right?
5: If the Jets to take over. They're not going to take over the division. <laughs> if it ain't the Dolphins Take over the division. No, I mean I've been waiting
3: for
1: years for Tom Brady to finally get
2: of out of there. <laughs> you tell me, Tannehill is going to take the 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 the, 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 the Dolphins
5: somewhere? Did you just tell me that? <laughs> The Dolphins, if anybody takes over the division, it's going to be the Dolphins before over the Jets or the Bills.
3: No
4: way. We're going to have no to yes.
2: this and argue about this some other time, Stephen. Oh, man, are we going to have to discuss this? <laughs> I, don't to, I don't want to go too much in because I know I got my, I got my next guest lined up already uh, uh, waiting to hop on here. Uh, Steve, you know how we typically end this thing, my man. Uh, throw the proverbial microphone over to you. Anyone you would like to thank, training partners, teammates, shoot at the social media sites. Website? Any charities you're working with? Anything like that? The time is yours.
5: Thank you very much. I want to thank uh, my head coach Brian Wright, my main uh, training partners, uh, Carl Robinson and Corey uh, Anderson, also uh, Rex Harris. Uh, I want to say thank you to my sponsors: Direct Vapor, um, MHP. Who else? Bulldog and Conditioning and uh, social media. Instagram is Predator MMA. Uh, Twitter is steven underscore regman steven was with the ph and facebook is just steven regman and thank you guys right, for having me on the show
2: it's always a pleasure my friend well like i said we got some more football discussion to do at a later date
5: <laughs> we'll do we'll do have a nice night guys. all right
2: everyone that Okay, guys. All right, that was our second guest of the evening. That was nine and three welterweight, Stephen the Predator Regiment. But without any further ado, we are being joined by our final guest of the evening. He is freelance investigative journalist, Mr. Mike Russell. How are we doing this evening, my friend? Doing okay, guys. How are you guys doing? Oh, uh, I'm excellent. just had, had some fun with. Uh, <laughs> we just had some fun with Dean. We just had some fun with Steve. Oh, Nicole, I think, got all her. Uh, technical issues out the way, so we can uh, get down to the nitty gritty here. And, uh, you know, the the night kind of starts off with us with just, I guess, you know, let's just dive right into the whole nonsense that is going on right this second with John Jones only getting a 15-month suspension, and what looks like he gets a 30-month leniency for basically giving them information on other athletes. What
4: is this? Yeah, it's going to be interesting when we see here in the next little while if there's any arrests or if there's any you know other fighters that get suspended. What's going on? But if you read that clause of the uh, USADA rules, it says that if they have somebody that basically gives up somebody else, that leads to criminal charges or to a suspension or a positive test or a, a violation, then they can they can get their sentence reduced. So. Here's the question. You know, we heard Cowboy Cerrone was saying that there was uh, a guy at his gym that was dealing steroids out of uh, out of Jackson Winkeljohn. We don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, you know, if it is, maybe maybe there's there's something going on there. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, that was a bit of a, a plot twist, if you ask me.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't even think plot twist covers that one, does it, bro? I mean, I, I I've I've never seen anything like that.
4: No. No. So team to, team? Why is this why is it taking
2: so long and then when everything kind of basically got blasted out over the last
4: hour or so, it's like, whoa, okay, that explains it. Well, I was hearing from people um that had talked to people within the UFC and they said that they weren't happy how things were playing out. So maybe that explains why. You know, and this came kind of, you know, higher up. From, from some of the executives that would have been dealing with John Jones and everything else. So it makes me wonder now if, if that's why they weren't happy with how it was playing out it was because he was throwing some other people under the bus or what it was. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. Like, it, until we have more details other than, you know, just what they've called it, I guess we can't really make accusations, but – I mean, we need to look at everything now. You know, we need to look at all the evidence. We need to look at all the people he was training with. We need to, you know, and, to, unless they, and I really don't think that if anybody asked John Jones how, how, what it meant for him to get out of this, you know, what they thought was going to be a four-year suspension down to a 15-month suspension, I don't think anybody's going to uh, admit exactly how, you know, I, I – it's one of those things that you almost wonder why they would even put that out there that, that, that was why, if that was the case, because then it will deter other people maybe from, from, you know, telling on other people, right. That's kind of, I think they have a line at USADA where you can call or you can anonymously message them about tests because I know myself, I sent uh, uh, some information that I'd gotten about a, a certain fighter and a certain manager that we're seeing coming out of a testosterone clinic in um, Nevada about a month ago. So I know I wasn't the only one. There was also uh, somebody else within the MMA community that witnessed it, that sent me the tip that they'd seen them too, and they contacted USADA. So, you know, I I don't know what that's going to mean. Like, are more people going to try to do that to get out of trouble? Like, there's a lot of different repercussions of, of you know, the precedent being set, right? Is everybody just going to save up a binder full of everybody that they know that's cheating and just go through it and say, well, you know what, if I can get out of jail free, here's my card.
3: Yeah, I think that people will start doing that. I think that might be part of the reason why they did put that out there. It's because they want people to turn other people in. I mean, the USADA does, of course. Yep. You know, they want to catch people. So. It's a good call, and the UFC, stuff, right? if that's the case, it's like, obviously, we don't know who, who John Jones gave up. But in the UFC's eyes, it, those people are basically a trade-off to getting John Jones back. They're, like, willing to, to kind of take the consequences in this to get him back because they need him back this badly.
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's becoming an informant, right? Basically, in essence. Mhm.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Nah, well, John Jones tweet about 13 minutes ago, this has meant the world to me and always oh, 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 will now the time to shift the focus, front and center, the road ahead. Greatness is, is what I'm chasing, the path to reclaim. My throne is now officially open. Comeback season begins now. Yep.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. You know, and again, we, we don't know the details of it. So, you know, it's just, just us talking crap here right now. But, you know, it could be a case of him maybe maybe the person he turned in was a supplement manufacturer. Who, who knows? But, I mean, it just seems mm-hmm. weird that his only way out of this might have been, you know, this last Hail Mary thing to do because there was no contamination that they proved. There was no... You know, as, as far as how the drug got into his system, it was never really proved how that happened. So, you know, he was obviously in contact with the drug where he ingested it or came into his body that he tested positive. Because it's not a drug really the, – the drug that he tested positive for is not one that – there's a false positive for it through, like, contamination through, like, other products that mimic it. So, yeah, it's very – Very strange one. I'd be uh, following on on um, social media. You've got Ian Kidd and you've got Dim Space, who both kind of the the guys to to follow uh, that'll have a lot of information about this. I always defer to them when it's something to do with drug testing or weight cutting or anything like that. But yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about it until we get more info.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of the you know, wanted to get your uh your initial take on it. That's all I you know, before we uh start, you know, uh <laughs> laying down the cement for, for, for w what what has happened here. Let's uh let's see how every how all the cards fall
0: first. Yeah. Sure.
2: You know, and speaking of which you got you got a lot a lot of stuff going on now, you know, uh you know you you have kind of partnered up with 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 some other you know real legitimate you know you know journalists in, in the in the MMA world you you have the uh the 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 podcast get, getting ready to uh get get ready to 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 be what what it is and uh how excited are you are you for this and and what should people be expecting uh
4: when uh when it does actually uh, launch yeah, I've got a lot of work um, still to do, but I'm about midway through production of a multi-part uh, serial investigative podcast, um, and it's going to be basically like nothing else that you've heard in MMA or combat sports. It's going to be more like a, almost like a documentary, like an audio documentary. Um, if you've listened to like podcasts, like regular crime type podcasts, like uh, Dirty John or Serial or anything like that, it's going to be more like that. Um, I've got a really good producer that I've I've partnered up with um, that's going to do it. And it's going to feature basically me doing the storytelling um, narration over uh, basically interviews that I've done with sources. So season one of the the podcast is going to be um, uh, about Ali Abdelaziz, who we all know is probably the most powerful manager in all of MMA right now. Um, there's a lot to his story and there's a lot of different layers to his story. And and for about the last three years, I've kind of been digging in on the story just to get all the facts so that I can tell it properly. So I think now that I have probably about 400 pages of police reports, um, different sources, as far as I've talked to people that were involved with some of the crimes that he was involved with. I've talked to NYPD, FBI, CIA, Talked to all these different agencies. Um, I've got sources, you know, like ex-wives that he had, green card brides. I've got, you know, uh, some sources within the, uh, the Islamic terrorist group that he was a member of and that he turned informant against. If, if you're, you're not familiar with the story, I guess we're kind of starting this, you know, a little bit kind of ahead of the game. But that's kind of the gist of the story is that he was a, a quite a prolific con man and criminal um, when he first came to the U.S. And, and he avoided deportation post 9-11 because, uh, he basically turned on, on a bunch of people. So that's where the story is going to be beheaded.
2: And, you know, the, basically for people who don't know, the main reason Mike has to go about it this way is just because anybody w- who has any type of legitimate site that when it comes to combat sports or anything indifferent, that they basically, you know, (laughs) don't want to do touch it. They don't want anything to do with it. They're, you know, running from it like they were running from a fire.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've I've done a lot of kind of, you know, the, the research that I've done, I've read books on psychology. There's all kinds of things that I've been doing, but because I'm an independent for one thing, I have to make sure I get it right because there's always the risk that you can be sued. And, you know, there have been, Ali has told people that he's going to sue me or whatever. but um I'm really confident with the facts that I'm putting out. But, like you said, there was um when the Lance Armstrong issue came out, there was the the reason why it was kind of broken by people outside the sport is because when you're a beat reporter in a certain beat and you have to deal with people on a regular basis, and they're kind of the gatekeepers to your access or gatekeepers to other fighters there are not a lot of people in this sport that want to tick those kind of people off. You know, Ali has like 50 guys that are in the UFC and he has a hundred guys, you know, all across MMA. So they call that spitting in the soup, I guess, was, was the term that they used. you know, people call it fishing in the pool or whatever you want to call it. But spitting in the soup was the term that they made up about the, uh, the tour de France scandal that happened with, with Lance Armstrong. And they said the hard part was that everybody kind of knew some things were going on, but you know, you don't want to be the one that's, that's going to, to almost kill your career and kill your access by, by bringing it out. But, you know, for me, um, I had access. I wrote for a bunch of, you know, mainstream sites, main, mainstream outlets. And then, you know, I kind of left the sport for about a year or two. And then when I came back, I said, the only reason I'm going to come, or the only way I'm going to come back is if I can do it on my own terms. And part of that was I wanted to, to make a difference. So... As you guys know, my first story with my site was the uh, exposé of the Edmonton Combative Sports Commission, which was um, I don't know if if you've read the updates or anything that I've been posting, but the executive director actually uh, proved that he had um, some negligence that that, uh, factored into Tim Hague's death. So he was fired as a result. Um, There's actually, they're looking at possibly uh, raising criminal charges, which was my story a year ago actually said that maybe he should be charged criminally. Like, should he be you know, criminally held criminally responsible for, for that death. So now there's that. There's a, a big lawsuit that's coming that I'm actually going to be uh, assisting the Hags family with. Um, so then that story kind of led me on to the path to Ali Abdelaziz. So, you know, both of these stories, Ali was actually uh, fired from his job with World Series of Fighting, which he had he held illegally at the time. Um, the day that my story, first story about him came out. And they called me actually the, the morning of, Ray Seffel called me and was asking me, you know, like, what information do you have? You know, how bad is it? Should we be concerned and everything else? And I filled him in on all the details that I had, and, and within a few hours, they actually let Ali go. So, you know, I, I think me saying I'm going to come back and affect change and kind of clean up the sport and make it better, I think, you know, with these two stories, I've done that so far, and I think, you know, if I can continue to do that with the information that I'm bringing forward and some of the other questions that I'm going to be asking as a result of this podcast, I think that um, – you know, it's there are not a lot of people doing this. So, you know, the other question that people ask is, why don't you do more? And it's as an independent, the only way to make money is through advertising. And the only way to make advertising dollars is to partner up with agencies that are um, a lot of these sites are using right now that are not only collecting your information, they're collecting your information to sell to people. So there are these things called ad and data brokers that are, when you visit sites, they're copying all of your things from like, You know all the ID from your phone, basically that'll tell them like exactly who you are, and then they cross-reference that with other, other marketing companies that are selling you across all these different uh, platforms. So there's a lot more I think at stake when you're going to these free sites. So um, I'm actually starting a Patreon account in the next couple weeks that'll help kind of you know pay for a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, um, just because I've been putting you know thousands of dollars into. All of my, you know, police docs and, and, you know, criminal checks and, you know, all these different things that people don't realize that really add up quickly. And that's kind of the other reason why there's not a lot of investigative work that goes, you know, that, that we see. We've got, like, Karim Zidane's one of the only ones that's really kind of putting out really good work on, on like, Katerov and, and political moves and, and illegalities in this sport. But for the most part, we've got people that are just regurgitating the, the stories that are clickworthy, not newsworthy.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a problem. But do you, uh, sorry, do you do you feel like you get like more hate for the things that you put out, or more positive feedback?
4: Tons, tons of hate, and and it's funny because a lot of the hate just comes from like people that are like Ali supporters. Or you know, I got mm-hmm. the same thing in Edmonton. Most of the hate that I got in Edmonton, um, like the two two or three years before Tim Hag died, I'd been writing about this specific uh, executive director and, and the commission and. People in Edmonton, it was like a mixed bag. There were people that are like, Great, I'm glad somebody's finally looking into this. And then there were people that were kind of on the receiving end of the favors and of the uh the negligence that, you know, maybe got some fights approved that shouldn't have been approved and, and so forth. They were, you know, telling me I need to mind my own business and stop writing about Edmonton and you know, you're just you know, I I had other reporters from Edmonton that were close to this executive director that were like telling me to go back to my mom's basement and quit coming up with these conspiracy theories. So you know, I, I've I've gotten a lot of hate from the MMA media over my Ali stuff because I keep you know banging the drum that nobody else is really talking about it, and you know I've I've got about a million different excuses why people won't write about it and why they they don't cut off a guy that's lied to them multiple times, you know, in, in different interviews. But yeah, it's it's there have been times where people have asked me why so I'm still doing it, not making any money. That also- <laughs> What's that, sir? Was so it the back
2: of four for you and Ben Folk kind of fun?
4: Oh, no, with which, no, that was uh, Chuck Mindenhall? No, with,
2: yeah, you're, no, right, you're,
4: right, you're right. No, it was either Mindenhall or Snowden, one of the two.
2: Yeah, I think it was Mendenhall, you're right.
4: Yeah, yeah, well, he was, you know, basically <laughs> insinuating that I had some personal vendetta against Ali and... You know, it was telling me that I just need to hurry up and write it and everything else. And it's like, well, you, you can't just hurry up and write a piece that's as, as in-depth as this. You know, like there's so many moving parts and so many details that I need to get right, you know, to, to be able to put it out that it's not something that you can just spit out. And I know it's been like a few years since I started this, but my issue was I never had a lot of my sources I was talking to. I, I didn't have very many that would actually go on record. And that's the crit- criticism is that, For some reason, in MMA especially, like when Loretta Hunt did it, um, anonymous sources are fine, and and they're totally, like, legit in every form of journalism. Well, in – you know, we've seen Trump say that if if you have an anonymous source, it's a fake source. So there there are – there's a certain subset of society that thinks that if you don't put the name down of somebody that you're quoting, then it's you making it up. But I've never done that, and that's not something that, like, any journalist that I know would do, but it has been done before. So – it took me this long to convince a lot of my sources that, you know, there are ways that we can go about this. You know, if we can change your voice a little bit, as long as we get your voice on there, um, you know, and there there are some people that at first didn't want to get involved because they were actually fooled into thinking it wasn't true and they were involved in it. So back at the time, you know, Ali convinced some people that it was all Islamophobia was the reason he got arrested. And, you know, all this stuff was, was the way that he kind of painted it. So, Some of these people, it was like they had Stockholm syndrome. They didn't realize they were victims until I I started pointing out all the things, you know, showing them police documents in which he said certain things about them and everything else. So it's been this kind of long wave of like, you know, people kind of seeing the light about certain things and having eureka moments. And then, you know, putting like one source in touch with another source where they come up with something where they're like, remember this, you know? So it's, that's what the podcast is going to be. It's not just going to be like, this is the story. It's going to detail kind of how I found certain people. I, I had some sources actually find me. I had a girlfriend of Ali's actually Google his his actual real name. And my first story, I had all of his aliases listed in the first paragraph. So when she Googled, um, his name was Allah uh, Regb Fekri Abdelaziz. So it's like a bit of a mouthful. It came right up. So she sent me a message through my website and was like, yeah, I've got prison letters from him. I've got, you know, I can tell you a story about when he called me from prison, you know, like this is all true. So I had people in the media, like in, in our media, MMA media, saying that they didn't believe it because there wasn't enough evidence I was I was producing. And I, you know, I reached out to some of them behind the scenes and said, hey, I've got lots of evidence, but here's why I can't really, you know, I can't release it, is because I don't want people to feel like I gave them up as sources when I promised them anonymity or I pr- promised them protection. And that's to me that's more important that I'm protecting them because a lot of them were kind of like nervous when I mean, they kind of heard all the things that Ali had gotten into. So, you know, it's been, it's a real learning experience for me to kind of have to deal with all these different moving parts and, and try to, to calm people's fears and say, listen, I'm, I'm never going to tell him that you spoke to me. One of the other things was, um, one of the NYPD officers who I did speak to, and he had, a, he had a bunch of, like I think it was four different handlers that he had when he was a confidential informant, like John Jones, you know, like he, um, he had four different handlers, but none of them would speak to me on record but one. And the one that would speak to me said, all I will say, and the only thing I can tell you is that everything that he tells you fact check it because he's a compulsive liar and he will lie to get himself out of trouble or to make himself look good. So he said, that's the only thing I'll tell you. And that's the only advice I'll give you. Well, this same NYPD intelligence officer texted me about a week or so later to say, see what I mean? He said, Ali actually called the NYPD to try to have him arrested for talking to me because they signed confidentiality agreements and everything else. Well, he rather than deal with it and actually speak to it, you know, he's lying in, in the media saying it's not true and everything else. He's actually behind the scenes trying to put these fires out by trying to have other people arrested for, for telling the truth about them. So there's been a lot of, of different moving parts that have, have prevented me from being able to release it sooner. But I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty confident now that the sources I have and the, uh, the evidence that I have all kind of paint the, the correct picture. The fact
3: that he goes through all the yeah. trouble to, like, get back to people that are talking about him. Does that like really
4: at all? Um, not really. I don't know. I'm, I've always been a guy that kind of stands up to bullies. And I, maybe I'm just being naive because like there are a couple stories that people told me that he kind of insinuated or admitted that he may have killed a couple people. So, you know, I hear those stories mm-hmm. and I kind of go, whoa, that's kind of crazy. But in the same sense, he's banned from leaving America so he's he's stuck in America, he's landlocked in America, which is why he doesn't go anywhere else. He always makes excuses up like, "Oh, I'll miss my family and everything else, but in reality he's he's because he's got an asylum deal going on in America, he just can't leave so yes and no i'm I'm not really worried about him per se, but you know some of these i've I've had some of his crazy crazy fans um I haven't tweeted me that. Something about me lying about Ali. He said, "If you lied about somebody like this, where I'm from, he's like, your three daughters would be raped and you would be cut and killed in front of them." That's what he told me. I'm like,
0: oh huh, "Interesting.
4: Like, you're 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 assuming that I'm lying here about all this stuff, first of all." But I'm like, "Yeah." And I, I think it was like I was you, quoting a tweet. I didn't realize else. how
2: uh, cool is Nicole is to a lot of this. Like, that's another reason why I wanted her to be here when we oh, had you okay. on before. The when, it's because a lot of this stuff she's hearing from the first time. Like, she doesn't. Like you have to remember I think Nicole pretty much just started getting into it within the last year or so. So like you know, while we know this to to, to you know, like many different layers to this, like uh I I I I still don't think that she'd probably understand the uh, the whole situation with uh with World Series of Fighting's first New York event, how they were trying to how you were trying to be lord there.
4: Yeah, yeah, they tried to uh because I had been writing about World Series of Fighting and I, and I had I still have some people that work for PFL that, that are my sources that, that feed me information because there are, you know, contrary to popular belief, just because you work for, say, say, a promotion that's doing some crappy things doesn't necessarily mean that you're involved with that. So there are people that are like, yeah, I, I've, I've seen this, you know, and I want to kind of let you know about it. So I've been writing about World Series of Fighting for a while, and then out of the blue I get a, a LinkedIn message from one of the owners, a um, guy named Bruce Dyfik. And I'd written previously about DiFeca. Basically, when when the promotion, like when he joined the promotion, was because he he owed money to one of the other owners that ended up slapping him in the face and was going to beat him up. And you know he was like, well, I want to make a deal. Let me come into your, you know, I want to help you out. And there was all kinds of infighting between these two two uh, owners and stuff. So I'd written quite quite heavily about world theories of fighting, about Ali, about you know his terrorist ties, about you know, his criminal ties about all the illegalities that he was doing. Basically he was managing while he was the matchmaker. So he was getting paid by the promotion to set up the fights. He was getting paid by the fighters who he managed for setting up the fights for them. So he was getting double dipping that's called. And then he was getting paid by certain sponsors to give out sponsorship money. And he was getting paid by the fighters to get them sponsorship money. So like he was taking all of this, you know, all these different things that were going on illegally. So I get this message from one of the World Series of Fighting owners who says he wants to fly me to an event on New Year's Eve to New York City. Um, All expenses paid, wants to put me up, which, first of all, it could have just been that he wanted to see if I'd accept it so that he could say, look, this guy's like an unethical guy. He's taking payola. So I I declined it, but, I mean, I know Ali was going to be there. He was 100% going to be there, and he was there. So it was one of those questions of, and and then the, the the wording of the message he actually said the reason he wanted to bring me to New York was he wanted to, to change my mind about the family that's what he said and it was like it read like a mafia invite right like I want to change your mind about the family here I'm like yeah no I think I'm gonna hard pass on that one I went to an offer you can't refuse yeah. <laughs> It's exactly how it sounded to me, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'll just stick around here in Canada. And you know, I, it's funny because like all the stuff I've done on on Pat Reid and Edmonton, I'm I'm actually finding an easier time finding sources and finding info on Ali um, because in America, the Patriot Act has actually made it so that, like I said, that personal information that these websites are collecting, it's actually opened up a loophole, so that's legal. So like, these companies are are logging all of your web browsing. So like if you go from like site site to site to site that's partnered with another site, they're, they're grabbing stuff like your health information. Like when you're, you're searching for certain health maladies and stuff like that, they're putting those in your file. So there have been cases where like some people have been rejected insurance and they figure that's why, or, you know, they've, they've, they can put everything. In there. There's, there's been cases where they've, you, you can order from these companies that I've used similar ones to try to get info on some of my subjects, they can order everything from, like, people that have a certain disease to your sexual preference to how much money you have, what kind of car you drive. what, what. I, I had a guy actually for, for – um, I'm working on a story for my Patreon about all of this. Um, a guy told me he, – and he's in politics in New Jersey. He told me that he's seen these lists, and he didn't know how they were getting these lists, and this is exactly how they're getting them. Well, when you are in a certain jurisdiction, you can buy lists by IP address. So let's say you're, you know, in in like like a place like Toledo, Ohio. If you want a list of people from Toledo, there are certain uh, these things called uh, ad and, and data brokers that you can buy a full list of numbers, email addresses, all the screen names they use, everything that's logged by these companies. So, you know, they're they're using these. I, I, they say that Donald Trump probably used a lot of these services and a lot of these methods to target when he was he was running for president too. So, it's it's not just it's not just like people keep saying that, Oh yeah, these ads and stuff that are online, it's, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt, but it's, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Well, it's not just the ads that you see or the ads that you, you know, follow you from site to site. It's the people that are selling your private information to these ad brokers that people need to worry about. But yeah, I've I've found tons of information and the reason why they say is because of the Patriot Act Patriot Act gave the U S powers to like log as much information as they want. And all of these different companies have seen the loophole and they're they're logging info. So like I've got a service right now I'm paying for a monthly service that I bet if I looked you guys up and sent you the report, you'd be shocked about what's on it. Sometimes I get license plates, what cars they own. Um, For Ali, I found, you know, like, like liens that are against him. You know, who gave him his mortgage, which was another thing. He got his, his mortgage after he'd left World Series of Fighting. He got either one or two. It reads like he got two. $500,000 $500,000 mortgages from this Bruce Dyfeck that was going to, you know, invite me down to, to convince me that I should be, you know, thinking differently about the family, but very odd that uh, a manager is getting a 500,000 or million dollar loan from uh, an owner of a promotion. Imagine if like Dana White did that to Melky Kikawa, how everybody would be up in arms about it, but everybody just kind of shrugs because it's Ali and because he had this, you know, kind of incestuous relationship with world series of fighting, but, the other thing is, is nobody wants to pay my my news attention. So if I post it and, and nobody talks about it, like, in the media, it's not uncommon. It's because, you know, I've pissed a lot of people off in the media because I keep calling out all their bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you
2: know, me and you have been beating the uh, Ariel isn't a journalist drum for probably the last two years. As much as I, I love some of the positive things he does, you know, he, he enables some of these situations to kind of
4: spiral out of control the way they have.
0: You
4: know,
2: well,
0: you
4: know. yeah, and the thing is, is people don't realize that there's, there's a lot of different layers to journalism, and, and Ariel has a journalism diploma, so I wouldn't say he's not a journalist, but he's more of a, a broadcast journalist, which you could know, look at him like, like a Jimmy Fallon, you know, a Jimmy Kimmel. Well,
2: I'll put him in the same league with with, with – I'll put him in the same league with Skip Bayless,
4: man. You can put him – that he's a shock jock at this point in time. He is a journalist, but he's a shock jock. Yeah, so people kind of look at, like, the word journalist, and they think that we've got this Hippocratic Oath that tells us that we need to – number one, the number one tenant of journalism is that you need to inform the public. That's what news is. You inform the public on stuff that's in in the public's interest to know. So, like – you know, if there's a serial killer on the loose or we're going to have a flood, like all that kind of stuff is newsworthy. Well, if you look at most of the stuff that kind of makes up the, the journalism news cycle, 99% of it is rumor, right? Fight rumors, an innuendo, like, you know, so-and-so said this about this guy or this guy says this guy's an asshole or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's no real, like there's no evidence-based reporting. And people think that we, yeah, as journalists, no we yeah, and people think that it's, like, our responsibility to, to tell them. And, that, and that's the other thing, too. Like, my, my Patreon uh, story that will probably be coming out within the next day or two um, kind of goes through this, and, and there's, you know, kind of – it goes deep into the theories involved and kind of what shapes the news cycle. But number one is just, you know, I, I was working for Yahoo Sports before I went independent, and I quit there because it became really clear that they were not at all interested in what was really newsworthy. You know, they basically, they didn't give me a list, but there was a list of people that if I pitched their names, it was like, yep, write it, yep, write it. Well, here's like, you know, 50 other stories about things that are important, and they're like, no, not interested. So we're basically, it's it's almost a chicken before the egg. Are we Are we pandering to what moves the needle? Or are we moving the needle with our stories? I think it's more so that we're just kind of using the same, you know, Google analytics and stuff that the UFC are using, our past knowledge of who kind of sells. So anything Conor McGregor is 100% going up. And you've seen it. Everybody's writing about his whiskey just because they know it'll get them clicks. You know, you put when, – when I was working for Yahoo, actually, Kevin Ioli would have me do things that I thought was, was a shady tactic of clickbait, you know, where I'd write a story and he'd say, well, put this guy's name in the title. And I'm like, I don't even, you know, Marshawn Lynch, he, he had me put in the title and, and kind of compare Nick Diaz to, to Marshawn Lynch. And I'm, I'll be honest, I've never watched a full football game in my life. I had to look up who Marshawn Lynch was, but the reason why was obviously that you'd have, you know, his, his celebrity is going to make people click on that story more so than they would have with just Nick Diaz. But, you know, when you look at all these different tactics that people are using and you look at the way that they're they're abusing it by copying, you know, everybody's information and selling it and stuff, it's, it's really kind of a gross, gross um, industry that we're working in, right? So, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things. If I can't make a go of it with, with this and with my Patreon, and um, like you mentioned before, I've got some other people that I'm probably going to be partnering up with in the near future here, like Karim Zidane. Um, we've talked about doing a, uh, a, a podcast, at least a weekly podcast, which will be something that we probably will put out a few episodes for free, and then you know go a separate Patreon account just for that, just to keep it separate and and so that we can split the proceeds if there if there are any. Um, it's it's a tough field to be in, you know. Like like I I tweeted today, this is my 12 year anniversary of of MMA reporting, and for about two years out of my 12, two or two maybe two and a half, I was a full time reporter. And other than that, you know, I'm freelancing and, and, you know, Kareem Karim is, is he's making a career of it, but he's having to, to freelance through like four or five different outlets and, you know, that's great. And, and he enjoys it and, you know, great for him, but some stability would be nice and to be able to, to actually, you know, to have, I've got, I've got the, the I've had this week off and I have next week off work to finish the podcast project. And, you know, after that, it's it's up in the air of where I'm going to, what I'm going to do afterwards. If if I can make a go of it, then I've got to, you know, we're looking at other seasons of the podcast and we're looking at maybe doing a weekly show. We're looking at doing, you know, daily news type stuff, but I can't do that and work another job like I have been for the last three years. It's just, you know, I've got five kids and a family and to try to do that and maintain it has been, you know, it's 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 actually hurt probably my family more than anything just because of the time and the money that I haven't made while I was doing this. So, you know, it's, everybody keeps saying why don't you put out this and why are you going to charge for this and why well, guess what? I've done it for free for 3 years. I think you guys kind of have an idea of what I can do, so I'm hoping that a few people will uh, will kind of support me. You know, I've gotten some support through face or through uh, uh, PayPal. Um, so I'm just hoping that, you know, I'm I'm not, I know this isn't a rich man's game and I'm not going to be making, you know, maybe as as many as, uh, six figures as I hear some guys are making, but I mean, to be able to actually pay some of my bills would be nice. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's costing me money every year to do this as far as my web hosting, as far as my expenses go, as far as my time goes. So it's a pretty expensive hobby when you look at, you know, at least a couple thousand dollars a year that I'm putting into you know, I could be going and playing hockey and not spend as much time and, and get get death threats every day.
2: I mean, I still think when it all boils down to it, Mike, that you know, you saying you hope to some of the changes that that you hope comes from 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 this and the positives that come from this. Hopefully, what you know, you you affect not not just the the sport itself, but how you know MMA journalism is kind of looked at and. How, how it, it's supposed to be run moving forward. You know, we talk about this unionizing of, of the fighters and stuff like this. where you still need to have more of a of a of, of a kind of a language guidelines for for what MMA journalism is. Yeah, I think yeah. That you know as what? you go along, hopefully, you're rewriting that book
4: of what it is. Yeah,
2: I was hoping
4: for a lot of years before the MMA journalists association came out, I I had been talking to um, my first like real editor was Loretta Hunt. She'd kind of been like one of my mentors throughout my career. So we talked on and off about, you know, about maybe somebody should start a a writer's union or association, you know, and there was, there were lots of talk and nothing really happened until of course, Ariel gets suspended and then talks all of a sudden go, go to the point where they actually form the, the association. And, you know, I think of all those people that were involved, I think Josh Gross had the probably purest intentions, and I think he was the one that, you know, he, he he's a guy out of all those people that were involved with the association that I, I think he was doing the right thing. And I think the other ones were kind of in it maybe more so for selfish reasons, which was to help Ariel, who they're all, like, really good friends with. Um, I don't think they've done very much since then. You know, they, they've put out their constitution rules, um, and then, you know, there are people that breach them that are part of the association, and then they say, well, they're breaching them against people that aren't in the association, like when they badmouth me or make allegations towards me, or, you know, there's, there's certain things that they've all done that they kind of overlook because they, they look at me as just maybe a thorn in their side. But honestly, the only reason that I'm even in this sport anymore is, is to clean it up. I'm not really in it to, to be famous or to get rich or anything else. I I was just hoping that, you know, maybe I'd have other, a lot more, you know, people on my side. So I think a lot of the, the younger, more, I guess, open-minded reporters that, you know, like you guys, like there are a lot of people that are, are kind of see things my way, but you know, I, I get that my, my approach maybe doesn't really it kind of rubs people the wrong way. Me tweeting at people and, and everything else. But I mean, You know, if if we're all going to just sit here and pretend that everything's okay, then nothing's going to get changed. So I'm hoping that, you know, at at the very least, another thing I was hoping to do, if I can make enough money, because I've talked to a lot of people about bringing them on as as contributors if I can. But I've 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 dragged my feet because I never want to bring people in for free. I want to be able to pay them, and I don't want to be able to rip them off by, you know, giving them like an insulting figure by here's like $20 like I've worked for in the past. So I want to make sure that I can afford it. If I can afford it, then great there are a lot of people I'd love to bring on some of these young reporters that reach out to me every day or, you know, not every day, but a lot of times I'm getting questions from reporters. Like, what do you think about this? You know, could you give me advice because they say a lot of the people even on the MMAJ are, are not answering their questions. Josh is always really good, but they said a lot of these kind of bigger name and I won't name them because, you know, of course, that he says that I've got an Eagle if I name names um, a lot of them, they say are ignoring their, their questions. So you know, I was always taught, from day one even when i was a kid that if somebody you know has something that you can help them with you help them with it and then you know i was always helped by like well, loretta and you right with people. that it's not just them though mike mike it's been like
2: that for a while on, on every it level is. of it it's not just well, the then, the, oh, the oh, bigger name too, so right? to speak it's it, and it's always like that. It's always like it seems like everyone's against each other instead of for each other. Like, oh, I'm not going to help him out because he's going to want to, it's going to make them better than me. He's a threat. I don't want him to do that. I want yep. people to, run, to come to me for this. So it's always That's this it. freaking the, the circle of disrespect that it comes to when it comes to the journalism side of the sport.
4: Well, that, that's what they say. No longer among thieves. And I'll tell you, man, I could, if I wanted to do a tell-all book right now, I could name you names of some guys that write for some of the biggest sites that have stolen my work. And, and I've got emails proving that some of them stole my work. That I told their editors, like, look, it, these are my quotes from a, an interview that I did, and I posted it on my site. Like, this is when I was with Cage Potato, and I, you know, people would steal. I had to block certain people on Twitter because every time I'd put up a story, they'd put up another story exactly the same and then say that they had other sources that confirmed it as well. And it's like, prove it. You can't say you have anonymous sources for every story I put out. Like that's just lazy journalism. So I don't know. I think the biggest thing is, is that 90% of the people in the sport got into it. Like I did, like I was a fan, you know, and 12 years ago, I I applied to an ad on SureDog forums that they were looking for a marketing guy for a UK based magazine. And I was, you know, first semester of, of public relations, I'm like, yeah, I could do this and maybe put it on my resume. And then it ended up, ended up they had no, um, they had no budget. So they're like, yeah, you're pretty good at writing emails and stuff. Could you write us some questions for some interviews? And then, you know, by the end of it, I was actually doing the interviews. So, you know, three months by fire, I kind of learned how to do interviews and everything. And then, you know, I thought I was pretty good. I go in and, and send my my work to Loretta and she she actually got back to me. And, you know, she she wasn't meaning to be harsh, but she just said, I think we've moved past Q&A type journalism. I think you can do better than that. So, you know, she took a chance on me and said, you've got, you're a fan. You obviously know what you're talking about, but, you know, the rest can be taught. And she, day one, she handed me, and I don't know if it was from her, or if it was from our law department at the Fight Network, but she gave me an ethics guideline. And I've still got it. It's dog-eared and it's on my, uh, on my, my cork board upstairs. It lists, basically, it's the Canadian Association of Journalists uh, uh, ethics guidelines. And it basically, it's like a, a Bible of the rules. It's like, you know, in, in this case, you must do this. We must get both sides of the story. We must, we must try to do this. You know, it's, it's like a rule book of how to, how to be a journalist. And, you know, I, I think that's the one thing that's missing is that as much as there's, you know, the MMAJ has a constitution and they have all their kind of rules of being a member and everything else, they're not really mentoring people like to say, hey, man, you know, this story here. I, I had that through a bunch of peers, like, like guys like Stephen Morocco. I've been friends with for a while. And, you know, I write a story and he gives me a suggestion, like my first story with Ali, I think, or my second story, he, he said, Hey, did you actually try to get in touch with Ali? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, put it in your story. You forgot to put it in there because that was something that Loretta taught us both that, you know, nine times out of 10, the UFC never even responds to you to say no comment. They just never respond. So you have to, you have to say that I've tried multiple times to get in touch with them. Cause then that kind of paints a picture that, you know, you're doing the right thing. They're the ones that are dropping the ball, not that you didn't get both sides. So, you know, we've kind of always had – I've always had kind of a, a click of, of people that are, you know, on the same page and on the same side. Like I'll ask Loretta from time to time, you know, about, about certain things, and I've got other, other people that I ask. But, you know, it's, it's tough because there are people that I, I trusted that, you know, felt like they were kind of stealing my info and, and trying to use it for, for their own good in the in the in the past so i get where that you know everybody's kind of like reluctant to to help each other but i mean this is about the sport and it's about us being taken seriously if we're all going to act like we're we're glorified bloggers putting up pictures of conor mcgregor at every every time we can then it's not going to help anybody and everybody, you know, when, when I come out with, with my information, people start trying to dismiss it because they're saying, well, this is fighting. Why do we care about stuff like this? And I know Karim gets it all the time. People are like, why should we care about Katarov? Who cares? You know, it's like, well, this is why you should care. And I think part of our role as journalists isn't just writing a story or interviewing people. It's it's explaining why stuff's important. It's, it's explaining the things that maybe people don't understand about, you know, what this means. and. You know, I think that's one of the, the things that Karim and I, when we talked about doing a podcast, we said we don't want to do a, just a sit-down, off-the-cuff podcast. We want to do one that's basically our written work in the form of a podcast. So, you know, there, we may eventually do one where we do discuss things off the record or, sorry, on the record and, and things that are, you know, kind of off the cuff. But uh, the podcast that we're looking at doing is going to be more like a, a serial, you know, like this is like one of the stories that we've we've uncovered type of thing. So, you know, it would be nice. And if we had the budget to do it and the time to do it, we could be like, you know, breaking like Watergate type stuff. And I know this is fighting, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that nobody's even aware about, right? I think being 12 years in the sport, the nice thing is now is that I've kind of set myself up as an investigator is that I get a lot of tips from people, right? That that I normally wouldn't have gotten through, you know, people are like, well, so-and-so told me to talk to you. So, I think if anything else, it's the one good thing that's come out about my work is that I've become like a trusted source uh, that people can can come to. Like um, when Karim did the uh, Abu Ezzatar story, I was actually talking with with a bunch of uh, sources about doing a story on that too. My website was going to be up in time and stuff. So, you know, Karim was a little bit deeper in the investigation at the time than I was. So, you know, I I didn't pursue it any further, but I mean – there are a lot of stories like that 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 I get, you know, comments and 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 people sending me DMs. I've even had people like like start fake accounts just so they can get in touch with me to ask me questions about some of the subjects of my stories that they know, because they're afraid of the repercussions if they talk publicly about them. So, you know, as as long as I vet those sources and I don't get fooled like people have in the past, like there was a guy at MMA Weekly years ago that got fooled um, by doing an email interview with what he thought was Andre Arlovsky, and it wasn't. It was a fraud. But my biggest issue is that a lot of the stories that we're putting out are based on like tweets, right? Like people say, Oh, so-and-so tweeted this or so-and-so wrote this on Instagram. Well, we know that managers handle a lot of those accounts. So you're writing a story that's fake. It's fake news because it's a manager that's, that's starting a beef between two guys that doesn't exist. Like it's, to me, it's like you guys don't get what journalism is, and I think that's the big issue: is that you know most of the people in this sport are not journalists. I'm I'm not. I've, I have a P, an honors PR diploma, which is funny because most of the ones that are are purporting that they're journalists in this sport are mostly PR and propaganda men.
2: I don't think people realize everything that goes on, bro, and that's why I hope that uh, that when this thing does go, that you guys get the. Uh... Get the amount of uh, of
4: eyes and ears on it as it should. I appreciate that, man. You guys are always great. I appreciate the support. I see it. I see when you guys are always retweeting me and sharing all my stuff. I get it. It's uh, it's not lost on me. Let's just say that.
2: Well, oh, man, it, it, it's it's uh, it's a thankless thing that you're doing. You know, you're not winning it. You're you're not winning any popularity contest anytime soon from either side of the fence. So. You're you're literally doing a thankless job at this point in time. So, you know, take it for what it is, man. You know, you know, I'm still going to support you. I know, you know, and and like you were just saying, like there are some people that they don't want to support you publicly in one way. That doesn't mean that they don't, they're not paying attention to what you're doing. They're not reading your 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 tweets or articles or whatever. So, you know, even though it might seem that you're getting all the hate, hate, I still think behind behind closed doors that that. uh, that people are,
4: are
2: have their eye on on what's about to happen.
4: Yeah. Yeah, like I've, I've had some people from the UFC reach out to me, right? And and it's not, you know, like, hey, what's going on? They just want th- to tell me, I'm reading your stories. You know, I've I've had, you know, executives from the UFC follow me on Twitter, and that's no coincidence. They want to read what I'm writing about. It's not like, you know, they they're like, "Wow, I really want to hear about your Edmonton stuff" because nobody, you know, it's <laughs> people consider that a niche thing even though i think that it, it, it was very underreported what happened to tim Hag and the reasons behind it but then again nobody had the info that i had right they, they didn't have the info that this guy wasn't registering all the medical suspensions and that he wasn't honoring the medical suspensions and everything else but yeah there are i know people are watching you know some pretty powerful people um i also know that there are some some uh television networks that are involved that are or sorry not involved that are uh in looking into the veracity of my reporting and that we could see something a little bit bigger on a bigger stage once my other stuff's released. And, you know, I get it. A lot of people will say that that there was no evidence. Well, here's the thing. I didn't have, I didn't have 400 pages of police docs when I wrote the first story. And to be honest, the reason why I wrote the first story so hastily was because Somebody leaked what I was writing about on Twitter, and there were other reporters that were breathing down my neck that knew what I was writing about that were like, well, I might look into it too, right? So I had to do something, and I had to put it out quickly, and I wasn't super happy with the way it turned out because I literally pulled an all-nighter. I stayed up all night the night that I'd I'd been given this tip by an ex-World Series of Fighting exec to look into this aspect of Ali's life that nobody had looked into before. So all I had to go off of was this book. Well, I've since learned because I was hired by a nonprofit to do actual counter or yeah, counterterrorism investigative work um, on the cult that Ali was in based on my all of my research. I did six months that I set up a website on this group and, you know, had access to all these FBI and CIA documents and such. Um, while I was doing that, you know, like researching all of that was was, was an eye opener of all the information that I could get. But I mean not a lot of people I think in this sport know exactly what we go into doing an investigation like this. So, you know, it is what it is, but I know that there's um, I, the reason why I've stayed with this is because I think it's important. And I think it's it's very important that we know who we're dealing with in this sport. So number one thing, like I said, tenet of journalism is that I'm doing what's in the public's interest, interest to know. And there are a lot of people that would be affected if let's say Ali got brought down for one of the,
0: you know, illegalities
4: that I'm told he's he's doing right now. So, there are a lot of of people I think that would be affected by if he goes down. So, yeah, I, I I believe what I'm doing is is right and for the right reasons. You know, everybody wants to say that I've got a grudge or something personal or whatever. They can say what they want. Ali has been trying to diffuse it by telling people that I'm just a jealous manager, which is such a weird thing. I know where that comes from because I worked for a, a manager way 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 back when briefly. Um, so I know that that's what he's trying to, to, to cling to is that I'm just a jealous manager, but I mean, I never got paid to uh, manage uh, any of the guys that he's tried to say that I manage. So it's one of those things, you know, he can, he can use what he wants. I'm, I'm definitely not managing anybody. And I'm 100% the only, uh, toe that I have in MMA is, is, is my website and my investigative work. Oh, Mike. Keep us informed. I'm really looking
2: forward to seeing when this comes out, and uh, uh, I'm sure that even though Nicole hasn't really said anything over the past few minutes, she's picked uh, <laughs> <she's> it in. <laughs> yeah, a big story, I'm listening.
4: Man. Like, I've told people yeah. before that they're like, what's the other story that you're working on? When I was, It was like when I was being interviewed about Edmonton. and When I start talking about all these things, they're like, what? How come I've never heard about this? And I'm like, well, you tell me. You know, I, I've written at, at length about it, but of course, all these, you know, journalists that I've gotten in arguments with online that you you brought up Chuck Mindenhall, everybody's like letting on I either don't have the evidence or I've got a grudge or whatever whatever reason they want to make themselves sleep better at night that they're not reporting on stories that in any other sport it would be a major story, you know it is what it is I, I can't I can't tell people you know what what they need to do to 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 make sure that they're, you know, whatever it it is, it is what it is. These guys are just protecting their own jobs, I guess, and their own access.
2: We all know it's about losing access. That's why no one will stand up. You don't have any access to losers why you have nothing to lose. They can't take anything from you. They can't hurt you in any way, which is, I think what drives them most.
4: It gives me the most power. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even Ali has been telling people that he's got his lawyers. You know, he's got all the best lawyers in America and they're all, they're all on me and, you know, they're, they're watching and everything else. Well, I'm in Canada and I know the laws here in Canada as far as, as journalism goes and as far as, you know, freedom of speech and everything else goes. Well, when I have evidence and I've got sources and I'm very confident with everybody that I've spoken to and I've got the truth, the only thing that I wrote that was inaccurate was based on what he had told that author of that book. So I, while working for that, Organization, I told you where I did counterterrorism work. I had, I got a copy um, of the full interview that he did with that author, and I have since taken that whole interview and fact-checked it with his ex-handlers. Um, they have put me through to like people that could verify certain things. They're like, yeah, I can't talk, but I'll tell you if, if you go for like Freedom of Information Act requests and all that kind of stuff, you can you can probably find more information. So, you know I've gone through the proper channels to get all the information that I could and, and verified everything. So all of my original stories I took down just because there were factual inaccuracies that were based on what he had said. So, you know, I wish I had to talk to that handler before that told me that I need to fact check everything he says, because he's a compulsive liar because I wouldn't have written the first story right away. I would have waited a little bit, but you know, can't go back in time and change it, but I will be mentioning probably in the podcast and everything exactly why I went back and, and, you know, I don't think there's anybody else. There, there are people that reported that Ali was an Olympian that have never changed the stories. You know, Yahoo Sports and Kevin Ioli and Damon Martin on MMA Weekly. And all these stories are still up claiming he was an Olympian, and I've disproved it probably two different ways. So, you know, I take down my story because there's a few facts wrong that are kind of incidental to the whole picture, just things that kind of made him look better than that that didn't really occur. And then we've got these other people that are changing history by letting on he's an Olympian. And he's He's used all of that as propaganda. So for years, he's used the media, and and I, I even found a story from when he was in Colorado Springs that he did with a, a newspaper. He used that member of the media to uh, propagate his story about the Olympics. And every one of these stories that I found, he used a different age or when he competed at the Olympics. So he couldn't even keep his lies straight. You know, one said 16, another said 17, another said 18, and none of them add up to when he was actually born. So you know, a little bit of fact-checking. I asked this reporter in Colorado Springs who didn't like it too much when I said, well, did he show you any proof that he was an Olympian? And she never responded to me again. So, you know, it is what it is. I guess embarrassment is, is, is involved with having to print a retract. Them, but I think I'd be more embarrassed about putting something up. That's like totally factually incorrect. So, you know, my, my goal is to be accurate and to be fair and to be, you know, to give as, as many details as I can to paint a, a full picture. So, I don't know, man, we there's different journalists in, in, in this space. And, and some of them, like you said, shouldn't even be called journalists, but, you know, I'm not going to say who should and shouldn't be, but you know, if you're not, if you're not, no, no, the, the,
2: you, you know, know like, like I said, that, that, there, there's uh like I said, hopefully with what you're doing kind of refines what we call an NNA journalist. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see yeah, where where the chips fall after after everything uh, comes out. But, um, Mike, uh, Gonna got to get ready to to wrap this one up. Just uh, uh, anything you want to put out there, let everyone know where to uh, where, where to uh, watch the 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 podcast, the, the the Patreon account. Let everyone know where where to uh, find all this stuff. So when it comes out, they they know where to get a hold
4: of it. Sure. So the the Patreon account will probably be up this week, like I said. Um, if you keep most of the updates that I put out, um, the the number one. Uh, uh, I guess medium would be Twitter. I do most of my updates on there. So I'll be probably posting it at the top of my Twitter. I'll be pinning it at the top. Um, As far as the uh, podcast, it'll be uh, available through realfightstories.com. You can go there right now, actually, uh, and look at the preview for the podcast, which has kind of samples of all the documents I've got, um, some footage of the group that Ali was involved with, some of their uh, military training, paramilitary training and, and uh, uh, different things that they were, were doing within America. So kind of, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you know what everything is, but it's, it's definitely pretty interesting to watch all the things that these, these people in Ali were involved with. And it kind of, the narration for that piece is just him talking. And a lot of his, a lot of the things he said is untrue. A lot of the things he says, you know, are, you can tell that he's just grasping at straws. So, that's kind of going to be what the the overreaching theme of the story is, is just that, you know, all the, all the lies and where they got him and, and how he got to where he is. So yeah, go to real fight stories, uh, Twitter, it's McRussell MMA. Um, same on Instagram, but I'm not very active on Instagram, but yeah, Twitter's probably the best place to, to follow me.
2: Well, people make sure you guys are giving Mike a follow regardless if it's Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, Keep uh, keep an eye out on the uh, on the uh, on the podcast that's about to drop, Mike. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure for your time, my friend. And uh, make sure you uh, you link me up when everything gets out there. Of course,
4: of course, man. I'll send you a link, and, and we may even have the episode ready a little bit early for some of the the some of our media friends. So, I'm going probably up to do the final bit of recording, not this weekend but next weekend. Um, got a studio booked and everything, so I won't say where. Uh, but yeah, it's coming together. And it was, that was the one thing I didn't want to put it out. Like it it seemed like I was recording it in my house because I I think that the story is bigger than just having like a crappy, you know, a crappy recording and and everything else. So I'm going to do it right. And we're going to make sure that the story matches the, the format that we put it out with as far as, you know, how big and how, you know, how intense the story is. So I think, I think it's going to be something that everybody's going to enjoy because it's not going to be like anything else that's out there.
2: Absolutely, brother. But Mike, as always, a pleasure, man. Be be in touch. Have a good evening, and uh, you know we'll 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 have you back on here again at some point in time in the future. Awesome, awesome. Thanks,
4: guys. Always a pleasure, and thanks again for all the support. All right,
2: man. You have a good one. All right, everyone. That was our final guest of the evening, freelance journalist, Mister Mike Russell. Did you learn anything tonight?
3: Oh yeah. (laughs) A lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: like I said, when he gets this thing out there, it should be eye-opening. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, he he's been putting bits and pieces of this thing out there over over the the last you know three to four years. It's literally the truest form of labor of love that I've ever seen one in my life. Uh, yeah. He literally has you know. <laughs> Publicly, nobody on his side, really. So I really feel for for, yeah, for Mike. He, he he is fighting a a uphill battle, and the and 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 the and the hill is filled with nothing but divots and mud.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, dude.
2: I really really appreciate what Mike is doing because you know he. I, I honestly believe what I said. I hope with everything that's said and done, he changes what is considered journalism in 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 combat sports. I, I truly hope that, you know, I don't want to see, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, anybody, you know, be made a fool of or whatever. I just, we just need some uniformity in in that area, and hopefully, with with the stuff that comes out, it changes how we look at MMA journalism. I hope. Mm-hmm. But other than that, but, uh, another <laughs> yeah. one in the book: Dean Thomas, Steve for instance, what what happened?
3: No, I said nothing. We had a good show tonight. Yeah, everybody.
2: Yeah, 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 it was stuff. fun. Yeah, we, uh, had have some fun with Dean. Have some fun with Steve Resman. Me, me, me and Steve are gonna have a fight. I man. freaking Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Frick out with <of> that. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah, I disagree with that yeah, also. That he
2: played, <laughs> probably destroyed, me, but that's besides the point. Um, and then obviously <laughs> the final guest was was Mike Russell. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I I even felt the anger for you. Freaking Miami Dolphins! <laughs> <laughs> but,
3: Dolphins. My sister's a Dolphins but, fan too. That makes it even worse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun one. You yeah, D- Dean was awesome. Steve was fun. Nicole finally got her uh, her uh, connection issues under control. By the time we got got yeah, Mike on and ditched um,
3: the computer altogether. But yeah. Anyway, hopefully, so tomorrow, well, everybody, follow so me on uh MMA. we gonna be down at the press conference. It's gonna be fun
5: day tomorrow. Yeah, you
2: should have fun tomorrow. But hopefully, through the conversation with Mike tonight, you know, hopefully that's another person that, you know, you could reach out to. Hopefully, anyone who's listening tonight, maybe maybe you're someone in the uh, the 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 uh, MMA media or journalism side of things, and you know, looking to someone to to kind of. Look, look out too, and, and ask questions about. I, I, that's why I like what how Mike goes about everything, regardless of if you like them, lose them, or indifferent about them. But we are way over tonight. <laughs> Go pushing thirty minutes into overtime. Uh, you know, b- big thanks for for all our guests, Dean, Stephen, and Mike. Big shout out to to my co-host Miss Nicole Bosco again, guys. Make sure you're following her tomorrow. She will be uh, covering the. Uh, the press conference there, there in New York for for all your uh, your, your your fan side stuff there. Make sure you're uh, you're checking her out because it should be a uh, unique one for sure. We'll see how everything plays mm-hmm. out.
3: So hope you have fun yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's gonna be good. But, um, all now, right, let's uh, wrap,
2: wrap this one up. let, let Nicole that. get some sleep because I'm sure she's gonna have an early start tomorrow.
3: Yeah, every day is early. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, well, episode two forty three in the book. Guys, as always, if you're missing the live shows, iTunes, Stitcher, sh- showing uh showing the, the the page some love. Just did the uh the T shirt giveaway. So uh make sure you guys are uh you know, also, you know, for for us who've been following us for a while, make sure you're showing Rachel some love. She's getting to the uh point it's really starting to mess with her, so hopefully we can get the uh Last bit of this uh, GoFundMe done, and, and uh, get her to the hospital for her surgery. But other than that, guys, again, another fun one in the books. Will we be back next Wednesday for episode two forty-four? I'm Steve. She's Nicole Bosco. This was another episode of Kate's side Submissions. We will see you guys next week.
1: That's This is MMA Fight Music producer Mikey Ruckus And you are listening to another edition of K-Side Submission With Steve Reichel and Rachel Blaze Call to all. You know it's like he it rockets and i bust busting through the door Breaking through the ceiling and I'm opening up the floor Make you split your head when you bang against the wall Blazing full fury from a sight unseen Living on the podcast, April Times 3 Throwing up a chump for a beating frenzy It's a fucking festive waters of the Zero Easy Comment later, smack down Laying on your back now Focus on that moment when you're bashing this around town Competition tries to stay up on the last round But we still a finish and we're pumping up the live crowd Turn and i and they get all proud Anyone who brought up Gary yeah, Ripper's all up in the ground Down yeah, low, cuz it's hanging all up in the cloud. Can't try some is gonna hit you like foul, foul, don't listen up for the next two hours. Two hours. M M A, weight, power, power. 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 If you see, turn up the volume. You lack in this battle, the game, and I just solve your problems. Ain't time to miss. This is what you all been missing. All the latest news and interviews. Come and give it a listen. Stephen breaks her high and low to give you something different. Get up on the fence and changing up your disposition. U F C and Bellator get to pick a fight. You're not in the conversation get your game tight. Just make sure when the light is green, you don't get paid right. Every Thursday night for to major temp event. I want when you call the sub, oh. we'll be knocking you down. facing the town, it's a round and pound. With a start on the head, we'll hey. be hitting the crowd. Down. When the calls are inbound it's the voice, is profound and we gave to what's down. It's growing now. Go, go, Steven Rachel. Go, go, Steven Rachel. Go, go, Steven Rachel. Go, go Steven Rachel. Welcome, to gang, that's the